This A's Cast download is brought to you by Link Soul. Go to linksoul.com and by Nest Bedding. Love where you sleep. Go to nestbedding.com. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. And the pitch is swung on, hit the right field, hit deep. Whitefield going back at the track over his head and over the wall. Do you believe that? And 29 other MLB clubs. Ramirez with a drive to deep right, away, back, goal! Yohei hits a bomb out there by the Rocks. And boy, oh boy, this third inning is now showtime. It is a judgy in blast. All rise, here comes the judge. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From humidors, to spin rates, to game-changing moments. We have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Well, a happy Tuesday to everybody, and we've got a great show for you here on A's Cast Live. Hard to believe we are winding down the season. Coming up here at 2.30, our national baseball columnist, Eno Saris, is going to join us. And then... Former Rookie of the Year, former A's shortstop and now manager of the Midland Rockhounds, Bobby Crosby's going to be here. And I got to tell you, every single time I talk to Bobby, it doesn't matter if it's in a setting like this, fantasy camp, spring training, Bobby Crosby strikes me as a guy that you go, he's going to be a big league manager, but just not get the job. To me, Bobby Crosby is going to be a guy that flourishes in this job. Like, you really got to think about, like, would I hire this guy? It's a big step, right? If I was an owner, would I hire Bobby Crosby as manager of the Oakland Athletics? Or if I was a manager of any of the other 2019, pick my team that I own. Where would you like me to be an owner and you could have a job? Uh, Be a better way to put it. Well, I'm not going to go Pittsburgh. Uh, No, we are not uh, going to Pittsburgh. We'll we'll just pick a random team. Uh, St. Louis Cardinals. God, it's hot. But all right. St. Louis, really? Rich baseball tradition. I get it. It's muggy and horrible. I was actually initially going to say Minnesota, but. It's another horrible. (laughs) Can't go like New York or Chicago or L.A. or something. Uh, Can we be high rollers? All right, we're Cardinals. All right, south side of Chicago. I am not going to the (laughs) south side of Chicago. For God's sakes, after what happened, we were there last. Um, You go through the interview process. The thing that you're going to realize, you know, there's things that you want in a manager. You want confidence. Do you want a leader? But the thing that I also want is a teacher, a true teacher. And that's what Bobby Crosby is. And that's what he's flourished into. It's what he's evolved into. And you're going to hear this interview at 3.30, and I just know you're going to sit there and you're going to go, yeah, this guy, he's got it. Whatever it is, he's got it. 
and he is somebody that I am so glad our young players roll through him because he's teaching them how to play the game. I think this gets overused the right way. So I'm going to say this. He's teaching you how to play a winning way. And he will address all of this nonsense that unfortunately is a part of our game that has nothing to do with actually winning games. Winning games. How do you win games? Because it's pretty simple. You have 162 games. They're all individual games. Pretty simple, right? How you do in each one of those games, you add it up, and that will decide whether you get a chance to play for it all or not. All the other stuff that gets sold to you on Twitter, gets sold on the gram, gets sold on the internet, that all looks great, and that's all for individual purposes. But how do you play the game, and how do you win baseball games on a daily basis? Some teams are really good at it. Some teams are bad at it. We have been bad at it. And it's funny how many times people will say it's about talent. We're just outgunned. True, but do not think that a lot is self-inflicted on bad play. Bad play, not winning plays. We played horrific defense. We don't throw strikes as a pitching staff. Is that really talent? Throwing strikes? I can find you a million guys in the minor leagues, college, and high school who can throw strikes. We've been beat on stuff that really has nothing to do with talent. Not saying we're not outgunned, we are. But there's a lot of self-inflicted wounds when you look at this team at 45 and 95. Just is. There has been countless dumb plays, countless bad scenarios, and you can look at that with all the bad teams. And that's what I love about Bobby Crosby, who he is. You know, we've taught there's been certain plays I, I've picked out of the year that really ticked me off, like the whole Jordan Diaz running to third base on a ground ball. He's on second base, fidgeting with his glove, his sliding glove, as a ground ball is hit to his right which everybody knows and has been taught since Little League, if you're on second base and there's a ground ball hit just to your right, you freeze. You don't go because the shortstop's going to pick it up and throw it to third base and you're an easy out. You're in scoring position. You don't go. What did he do? He went. Well, he, he went and then he went back and then he looked like an Fidgeting with his glove, his sliding glove. he got to get his sliding glove on. See, it's stuff like that that you go, that has nothing to do with talent. Has nothing to do with talent. Bobby Crosby is a guy that would have reamed his you-know-what for that. And that's what I like about Bobby. And Bobby relates. Bobby can be the hammer on guys. He can be the cheerleader on guys. I can tell you right now, Bobby Crosby is somebody that players love. He's being invited to these guys' weddings. They love him. He's got some discipline. He's got some old school. He's got some new school. You're going to hear it. Bobby Crosby is really impressive coming up here at 330. No question. 
Um, couple news and notes, by the way. We have the 28th and 29th doubleheader of the season today. The notes are 21 pages long. We have a ton of baseball today. Uh, not close to last year, though. We had 69 double dips last year. I saw that note. That's crazy. Well, the weather and, and – Oh, and because of uh, the games canceled being the year because of the lockout. 69. Uh, John Means is back. You forgot about him. 517 days since Tommy John surgery. That's good for the Orioles. Um, somehow, strikeouts once again are bit better than wins. Max Scherzer is better than Greg Maddox. Um. I disagree, but what? No, 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 no. That was not me to said the strike. No, no, no. That was our two thirty guest that said that. Scherzer's going to tie Greg Maddox for the all time strikeout list, and he did it in two thousand eight hundred and twenty nine and third innings, uh, while it took Maddox five thousand eight innings and a third. So he did it basically a little more than half the time. Jersey's better than Greg Maddox because he strikes out way more guys. Uh, how many sizes Scherzer won? How many games has he won? Wins? Well, Maddox played in everyone. People cared about wins, so you have to talk about it. Oh, mm, interesting. Interesting when you care about certain things. Uh, and this Pete Crow Armstrong – 21-year-old prospect for the Cubs, could be starting today in Denver. He pitched ran yesterday. His mom was in a baseball movie. What L- movie? Little Big League, <laughs> where the kid takes over the – I think his grandfather passes, and he becomes oh. the owner, and then he becomes the manager. Yeah, the mom from that movie is Pete Crow Armstrong. I found that out yesterday. I thought that was kind of uh, – and it was like 30 years after the movie was released. Now he's going to be playing – or he now is playing in the majors. And we did something historic last night. Oh, the, is this the thing I sent you? About the first team. Historic. Well, that win last night, which is really – I may talk about this win in the offseason, no question. Last night's win, Waldachuk, fantastic. Guys going deep, great defense. Waldachuk, six innings of no hit against the Astros with only one walk. And it was out of the bullpen. It's not like you started – I mean – Huge. Go ahead. Conte called it the best pitching performance of the year. Um, I believe it was. I don't have it in front of me. But I believe it, we are the the A's were the first team that was fifty games under five hundred to shut out the World Series champion the year after they won at home. At home, yeah. Never been done before what you saw last night, and then you got Sears going today. He's got re- after people wanted to shut him down. He's been fantastic in September, and uh, going up against Justin Verlander. Verlander's career against the A's. <laughs> I mean, if we're not on his plaque in Cooperstown, um, <laughs> twenty and seven with a two point two seven ERA and thirty two career starts. That includes postseason. We'll all remember two thousand twelve and two thousand and thirteen. So a chance to get after JV tonight. JV, this is definitely going to be in stat of the day. By the way, in A's total access, brought to you by Chevron. Cal State East Bay stat of the day. JV owns the fourth best career ERA versus the A's since they moved to Oakland. Who I knew one guy on this list was obvious because he's not that long ago was a complete A's uh, dominator. Three other guys are ahead of him. One's easy. The other two, 
No clue. Uh, Irvin Santana. Irvin Santana dominated the A's. The other two? Mm, is one of them a We've had him on the show. Louis Tiant. Louis Tiant. And I forget who the other one was. Pat Dobson. Well, you've looked at this already. That's yeah. no fun. Well, I, for, I forgot Dobson, but I remember Tiant. Because I looked at him and I was like, Irvin Santana. But he was a good pitcher. Well, yeah, you didn't live it. That's right. You weren't yeah. around. Dude, Irvin Santana owned the A's. With the Angels? Oh, my God. Irvin Santana shoved every single time. So that's what we got going today. We got the Astros coming up against the Athletics. We'll have Eno Saris at 2.30, Bobby Crosby at 3.30. I had to go get my dog at the groomer. I had to I had to be that guy. So I turn on Sirius XM. By the way, our boy CJ Nikowski, they're doing their power ratings, which is like the lamest thing. But they he's he's worried about the Astros pitching. Wow. Rangers broadcaster. <laughs> Who has a show on Sirius XM is worried about the Astros pitching. I, I did Rangers broadcaster. I uh, I I crunched. who's got the worst e- bullpen ERA for whatever weeks, months, second half. I Who? Look, I looked it up. At, uh, well, I was looking up for the A's, but it was the Texas Rangers have the worst bullpen ERA since September started. I think they have the worst ERA overall. They're awful. They got a big win last night in Seattle, but. Um, no, uh, Toronto. I mean, Toronto, yeah. yeah. Seattle lost to the Anaheim. Uh, the A's overall in September, a 374 ERA, that's the third best in the American League. And their starters had the second lowest ERA in all of baseball, or all in the American League, behind only Detroit at 307 since play began in September. It's pretty impressive. So, yeah, to hear Rangers broadcast a complaint about the Astros, who are, wait for it, 20 games over 500, and in first place, they're, I don't, I don't know if I'd be really worried about their pitching. How many games do we play in September? Um, I think it's uh, – there's been 12 – this will be the 12th game, so uh, yeah, 10, they, cause 10 they, games. Because they, they have the notes. The A's over the last 12 games, the rotation has a 3-2-3 three, three ERA. So the last two days of August and then – because there's been 10 games yeah, in August. So 12, 10 last, games last 12 games. You know what? This is what we wanted to see. We wanted to see growth. Give Scott Emerson credit. Give all the coaches credit. Eric Martins, we just had on the program, gave him credit for what the team is doing defensively. They've been far better defensively. And it's what I harped on night after night after night on the A's Clubhouse show is, hey, at some point, Gus starts seeing growth. You have to start seeing it. And we're seeing it. Offense has been better. The young guys. Um, by the way, I think we're way off. Did you see the notes about Oakland catchers hitting yeah, 20 bombs? I looked it up again. It's wrong. They, in, they had seven. Yeah, and there was guys from Kansas City and Philadelphia on there. So it's still only the he'll if you be look, the If you look in Oakland, it's Gene Tennis, Terry Steinbach, Ramon Hernandez, and Langlais will be the fourth. The other guys were like Jimmy Fox, but he'd play all his games as a catcher. And then there was another guy from Philly. And then there How were, many games did the great double X play at catcher? I'd have to look. It's That's all looked at my other computer. But, yeah, I looked all up. Hall of Famer, one of the great. Power hitters, right-handed hitters of all time. Yeah, I looked it up. In, in Oakland only, there was those three, and then Langlers was trying to become the fourth. How many in franchise history? I think it was seven. I think it was seven, either seven or eight, including Jimmy Fox. <laughs> because he played. You take him out, I think it was seven. That's the problem when you've been playing since 1900. Right? Yeah. You're like, well, you know, if you're going to count these guys in the, in the 30s and 20s. But Shea Langoliers, tell you what, I was worried. I may not have showed it, but I was worried because he was just not hitting. 
And last night with the bomb and then another base hit. And he's got two home runs in the last three games. And he is just, man, Shea Langoliers is really starting to come on. There's a lot of good things to talk about. There is. And, yeah, I still realize 45 and 99 is horrific. That, that's no, that's it's not acceptable. And I don't care how much money you're spending. Because, you know, I, I, do I need to go back to Friday's edition of MLB Now? Just let everybody know. If you don't watch MLB Now on MLB Network, last Friday they did a whole thing on big contracts and the recent free agent big contracts. And they're pretty much all stinkers. They're not, you know, well, well we don't spend money, spend money, spend money, spend money. Like, these are horrific, and they're early on in the process of those contracts. They're still like six, seven years where these guys are all going to be older in their career, and we know how that ends. So I, I don't allow money to be the factor here anymore. You just, you know, you just can't. You don't have to spend to win. What you need to do is you need to develop good players. You need to develop your – that's what we need to do. We need to do – our drafts have to start working. These international guys, these guys that were 16, 17, 18 years old, we have millions of dollars to – at some point they got to show up. Where are they? I'm looking around. Do you see any? Just one. Who? Oh. Jordan Diaz. Was, how much did he get? Well, I'm just saying – I'm just looking from the international side. Where? Other than that, I mean, where where is the where's the five million, two million, three million? Where are those guys? You mean like Robert Poisson, who's in rookie ball? Where are those guys? He's been up and down between Stockton and rookie ball, I think, three times over the last. Where years. are all these international guys we've been giving money to? At some point, they got a hit. Another note that uh, I just heard: there are two teams that have beaten everybody this season now that everybody plays everybody. And I thought about it and I went, wow, that's never happened before in the history of the game where you have beaten all 29 teams you face this year. Is that an impressive feat? I think so. Even though this is the first year where everyone played everyone, but I still think it's impressive. Well, cause some of these series are only two game series. Yeah. That means you've, you haven't been, you haven't been swept in any of your interleague two game your quick two game sets. Uh, I'm going to take a guess if you want me to guess who they are. I wasn't asking, but since you want to take yeah. a shot at it, go ahead. One of them's Baltimore. One of them's not the A's. The other is not Kansas City. The other is not Detroit. By the way, Kansas City, the first team to 100 losses. Everyone thought we were going to blow by every record. How that. about that? No one's talking about that. Where's that getting reported? Where's that on YouTube? We're not the worst team in baseball anymore. Uh, Baltimore's one. Wait, they're they're forty four and one hundred. Yeah, playing at a three oh six clip. We're playing at a uh, three thirteen. Nothing to brag about. Baltimore, Baltimore. Well, we just had Baltimore. We yeah, talked about. Yeah, I feel that. like I uh, I feel like I saw this. We just, uh, we, it's we just another played, team we've just played. Toronto, Toronto. They haven't. They 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 have not lost. They have beaten every single team in baseball. They just can't win in their own division. <laughs> Toronto, that is. But is that is that a is that a uh, 
Is that something you hang your hat on? I think this year, yeah, you can go with that. It's the first year that it's happened, and we've had two teams do it. I'm I, glad it's not the Yankees or the Red Sox. I think it's an extremely impressive because you have these two two game sets. Yeah, it means you're not you're you're not losing games in a row. You've beaten everybody. There's 29 teams. You faced all 29. You've got a victory against all 29. And by the way, Orioles are going to be in the playoffs, and Toronto is battling. I mean, Toronto still had a good year at 80 and 64. They're 80 and 64. That would lead the Central. Oh, playing that game. That would be <laughs> in second place in the West. That would be in first place in the Central in the in the um, in the National League, and that'd be in second place in the National League West. Yeah, and I think I'm, I'm trying to pull it up right now. They'd be even better if they were better, good against their own division. Toronto in their division, they are 12 and 25 versus teams in the East. And the rest of their games after this are going to be in division. The one that the one that's going to be fascinating that we're going to have to watch is Texas and Seattle play each other two different times after this. It wasn't one of them in the last series of the year. So we're going to be watching these two teams. Somebody's going to win. Somebody's going to lose. And you got three teams vying for two spots. Uh, I mean, still, Houston's grasp on the division was only two games. So, really, the AL West is still available. But between Texas, Seattle, and Toronto, only two are going to get in. And you got Seattle and Texas are going to play against each other two different times in the final week or so of the season. That's what it's all about right there, baby. That's what it's all about. And that is what our young guys need to be soaking in right now. Right now, they should be showing up to the ballpark early, go out there, get into the dugout, watch how the Houston Astros take BP, how they take BP, how they get ready, watch what they're doing, become like sponges, like absolute sponges. You know, I've been, God, what is the, I've been, you know, on, on YouTube shorts, uh, Matt Barnes, what is the uh, what is the show Matt Barnes is on? The former Warrior. Mm-hmm. Um, I forget what the name is. I have, so they got they got their um, podcast and they've been they got their uh, YouTube shorts, and they've got a ton of guys going. What's your NBA moment? You know, is it, is it all the smoke with him and Stephen Jackson? Yes, yeah. and you know, guys talk about you know, I was out there and, and next you know I'm warming up and there's Ray Allen. And Ray Allen comes over and says hello to me. Like, there's all kinds of stuff like that. And it makes me think of Kobe Bryant. Now, I'll never forget this being at Oracle. Okay, go ahead. You call it. Oracle? Yeah, great. Big <laughs> Warrior fan. Um, so, we used to do the show at 95-7, the game at the arena before the Warrior games. And we would sit there because we came on at what time did we come on? Three? Yeah, because the game would have been seven thirty, and pregame's an hour before. Yeah. This is before we actually can be still yeah. at the Warriors at the time. But Rick Buecher was doing the sidelines, so we'd be there early, and we would get to watch everybody warm up. And guys come out in waves, like the whole team doesn't come out if you don't know. So the rookies come out first, and they shoot together, and that's when Draymond was a rookie, and he would be shooting, and just and little by little, here came David Lee. 
here came whoever, and they would basically have the floor to themselves, right? And I remember this was at the end of Kobe Bryant's career. And we're sitting there, and Buker says to me, watch this. Kobe Bryant, in basketball terms, is now old. It's at the end of his run. And Kobe Bryant went out there and worked his tail off. He took every kind of possible shot. Because there wasn't a shot Kobe Bryant didn't like. Kobe Bryant took every fadeaway, shot every three, dunked. I mean, he it's like 45 minutes of just a massive workout. And it was, like, impressive. It was impressive. And, like, if you could take a young warrior at that time and say, hey, man, this is one of the greats of all time, look how he warms up. Look how he prepares. Incredible. And that's how I want our guys with the Houston Astros. How do these guys go about their business? These are the guys, you know, I'll joke around and we'll rip them and we'll do all that, but these are the guys. These are the dudes. These are the guys nobody wants to play. Six straight ALCSs, four World Series appearances, two trophies. You don't want to play them. No matter what the draw is, if you're in the bracket, with the warrior, with the with the warrior. If you're in the bracket with the Astros, you're not happy about that. You think anybody in the American League is going to see that they got to take on the Astros, and they're like, "Whoo, sweet, we get the Astros." You think anybody feels that way? I'm going to go with no. They're the boogeyman. They're going to. I mean. They've been to the ALCS six straight years. Who's going to say they're not going again? Who's saying they're not going to defend their title? They win in October. That's why I want our young kids to be watching. Watch what Verlander's doing. Watch what Altuve. Bregman, by the way, did some uh, D-Row on MLB Central, showed his changes, and they did a little Zoom call. Bregman's on fire. Bregman's back. Watch these guys, how they prepare, how they get better. This is what it's about. This is what you want to be. You want to be the World Series champ? You don't think years ago people, I guarantee you now in the NBA, people are watching the Warriors. And I guarantee you years ago people wanted to emulate, everybody wanted to emulate, what are the Niners doing? These guys are in the playoffs every single year. These guys won five Super Bowls. You don't think in that time when it's Bill Walsh and Joe Montana that their people are going, hey, man, how are these guys doing this? You're not watching Ronnie Lott prepare? That's what I want from our guys. Our, I want our guys seeing this, and that's why last night was big. Do you see the confidence in our guys? It's like when Noda hit that jack and he came in, and the way, you know, you could just see it. There's confidence. Noda, by the way. I'll have it for you in a minute, but Noda in the last 11 games, ha. Like, this is the confidence that you build. Nick Allen looks like a different guy. Zach Geloff is special. You're figuring out, hey, this is how you play with the big boys. Watch what they do. Respect it. You can emulate it or not, but you could definitely learn. You don't think all those dudes all those years came out early to watch how Michael Jordan prepared? I guarantee you they did. Guarantee it. 
I don't disagree. I mean, he's a he's a cool one to watch, and so is Kobe. Now it's going to be well, people. You know, people are probably watching Steph Curry. Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? Wait, well, what is how does Clay talk? How do these guys who play at such a high level and shoot the way they do, and the communication that they have, the things that they work on? Like, how do you not watch that? How would you not? You don't think the Sacramento Kings have been watching the Warriors? You don't think these guys in the NBA have been watching? I mean, I saw a thing of that same podcast where Barkley's like, they asked, is there any player today that could make your top ten all time? And he said, one. Because getting into the top ten in the history of the NBA is not easy because there's been so many great players. Because you sit here and you think, well, Steph's one. Man, you got guys like Bill Russell, right? You got Will Chamberlain. You got Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. You got Michael Jordan. I mean, magic. You got these guys, Bird, Magic, LeBron. You got all these guys. He's like, yeah, the one guy. He already had LeBron in his top ten. He's like, the one guy is Steph Curry. Steph Curry could be top ten all-time player. And the thing is, when you become a, if you become a top ten player, somebody's getting bumped out. It's not like you just get added and everybody goes, ah, welcome to the club. You're bumping somebody out. You're bumping an all-time great out. That's how good you got to be in to get into a top 10, top 5 all-time on somebody's list. You've got to bump somebody out. You don't think young guys in the NBA are looking how Steph Curry warms up? You you don't see the joy that he plays with? You'd be silly if you weren't paying attention. I mean, that's what our guys should be doing. And last night... You know, let's see. I mean, they could go out and lay an egg. They could go out and be dominated by Verlander. I don't know. But I tell you what, I think about last night, very impressive. All right, coming up next, a shutout victory, too. How many times have we seen that? Coming up next, Eno Saris, our baseball columnist from The Athletic, will join us next right here on A's Cast Live. This is Chris Townsend and Commander Cody for Link Soul. You've got to go to their website right now, linksoul.com. The new polos are unbelievable. New colors, lighter weight. We got our new summer shipment, Cody. I couldn't be happier. I look better, all thanks to Link Soul. So we're talking about new polos. You can check out their shorts. Anything you need for summer, they have it right now. When you go to their website, they've got a smoking summer deal. Go to linksoul.com. That's linksoul.com. Streaming from the town, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. Well, now joining us here on A's Cast Live, it is time for his weekly segment, Play the Man's Open. The Eno Saris Show is sponsored by Fieldwork Brewing Company. With eight taproom locations in Northern California, Fieldwork brings you fresh craft beer direct from the source. Fieldwork will also ship beer direct to your door if you live in California. Visit fieldworkbrewing.com. Eno Saris, you can tell outside summer's about to leave us and fall is here. Next thing you know, it's Halloween, my favorite holiday. Then it's Thanksgiving. It's fall. It's a little crisp in the air. We're getting away from that hot weather, and we start to change. Our taste buds start to change. When does the great Eno Saris start changing up his beer? Well, did you know that I'm German? I did not know that. Yes, I am. I am. My mother uh, still has the passport, and uh, our family's from Hamburg. Really? So, you know, 
Yeah, this time of the year, uh, it's in my blood. Uh, Oktoberfest is what it's all about. What are we hammering and... at, at October? I know they got the big mugs. That's right. <laughs> it's it's, uh, it's usually, um, you know, uh, a Märzen or, uh, uh, you know, it's 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 like a, a lighter beer, but it's, uh, it's got a little bit more malt to it. Uh, there's an Oktoberfest uh, this weekend at the San Leandro Fieldwork. Uh, so, uh, they got an all day, uh, festival there going on on Saturday in San Leandro. So, uh, that's something you could check out, uh, and have yourself an Oktoberfest beer. So we have an Oktoberfest in the dro, as my friends like to call it. <laughs> yeah. All right. I like it. By the way, I saw something last night and I was very impressed because as a hitter, you can, as they like to say, he's hunting heaters. You can hunt stuff, pull it, and knock the crap out of it out of the ballpark. But a really great hitter can use foul pole to foul pole. And when a guy's really seeing it is when a guy lets it get deep and he's able to drive it the other way. And highest average outside center of plate. You got Kim with the Padres, Altuve, Alvarez with the Astros, J-Rod, Bellinger, which tells a lot about how he has changed now that he's healthy. Bregman, so we got a lot of Astros there. There is something to be said, and I can tell you from a pitching perspective, that guy scares the hell out of you. Because if you know a guy's hunting heaters and he's pull happy, I can live soft on the other half. But when a guy can allow it to travel deep, and it doesn't matter what you're throwing, he'll take you the other way and drive it the other way. That's a scary hitter. Seeing those kind of numbers, and by the way, that's since the All-Star break, that shows you who the best hitters in baseball are. What do you think about that? Did you know that if I sort by uh, WOBA, which is weighted on base average, it's just like OPS, to the opposite field, do you know who number one is? WOBA to the opposite field? Are we talking just hits or are we talking about power? It's everything. Power, hits, everything. It's an Oakland A. Stop it. It's Zach Jellov. Of course it oh, is. Oh, That doesn't count. <laughs> that but doesn't count. A- I was going to go Jace Peterson, now an Arizona <laughs> Diamondback. You, or Jesus Aguilar's not on there? <laughs> but, but uh, you know, it's a it's an interesting group because Eduard Julian uh, is on there, too. He's uh, a Twins rookie. Um, you know, guys who have established opposite fielder power. Chaz McCormick is in the top 10. Uh, Brandon Belt does this. Nathaniel Lowe does this. Christian Yelich does this. This is something he does. You know who um, is great at it? And his power, the, the only, the two best guys I've ever seen oppo power from right-handed hitters was Mike Piazza and, and our Chris Davis. Chris Davis mm-hmm. had, it was amazing, his opposite field power. It was, and in, 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 in the Coliseum, there's just something to it, to a guy that can drive the ball and drive it the other way. And that's, you know, that's what we've talked about with Geloff, what makes him so impressive. He's foul pole to foul pole so early in his career. Yeah, the, the thing that, you know, the reason that people don't do more of it is because uh, usually when you go opposite field, unless you're, you you just hit one of those missiles, Chas McCormick does this. I think Geloff does this too. If you hit a missile that doesn't have any slice to it, then you can really take advantage of all your exit velocity into the opposite field. But normally when you hit to the opposite field, it has like a, uh, is that slice or is that fade? It has like a, it has, it's it, not, 
It has the rotation. It, it's like in golf, the rotation of a it cut a shot spin. versus drives. Yeah, yeah there's there's a spin on the ball, and that it's takes a right, away it's from a, its distance. It's spinning. It would be right to left as it goes into left field. If and you're it, like a and left-handed, that takes hitter. away from its its distance and the way you want to go. So it's harder to have opposite field power. You either have to be, I think, like Chris Davis and just have such prodigious power that even if you take a step back, Stanton is like that, right? Bonds. He has such prodigious power Bonds that, that even yeah, even when he goes oppo, he can go he can go uh, he can take it to the tank. But you know, there's uh, there's other guys who hit line drives that way and and benefit from it. And then there's Chaz McCormick who just weirdly they they just like they're just like line drives to the opposite field. So. Uh, it's not that prescriptive for everybody, but the reason why uh, most young kids or other guys go for that pull power is you make more of your bat, your your exit velocity. You make more of your power when you pull it. So just generally, the pulled fly ball is the best outcome, and so people try to train for that. But you're right; that leaves you that leaves you vulnerable because to pull the ball, you kind of have to get it out front. You have to make the decision quicker. That means you whiff more. If you do have opposite field power, you can wait sometimes, let it travel, as you said, and take the ball in the opposite direction. And if you think about it, you can cover more of the plate. If I can pull the ball for power and uh, let it travel, that means that means I can do something inside and I can do something outside. And the best hitters in the world, of course, can cover the entire plate. You know, you got all that territory to to put the ball in play and, and have a positive result. Versus if I'm pole, I only got this much. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's just like, I mean, it's I mean, the guys who, 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 the guys who make the very most of their power by pulling it, Brian Dozier was the guy who did it. I mean, he had 50 homers one year, but every single one of them was over there. Marcus Simeon, actually, the way that he gets to his power is pulled fly balls. You know, he does not have the same kind of power as like a Barry Bonds. I mean, just look at their bodies. Look at, you know, look what we know of them, you know, but when Marcus Simeon takes a, takes a hold of it, he tries to pull it in the air. Uh, Isak Paredes is another guy on, um, uh, on the Rays. He has 27 homers this year. I think all 27 of them to the pull side. I mean, he's just trying to get the ball up and in and, and take them out. And that's his whole approach. So, you know, you can't say it's wrong for people, but you can also say that the very ideal, the very best players can do both things. All righty. When is the last time the New York Mets won the World Series? Uh, <laughs> wait, um, isn't that the, isn't it God bless Buckner? Is that, is it all the way back I, to that? I was a freshman in high school in 1986. There you go. <laughs> David Stearns, come on down. You're now the new guy to change things. Have we had a young hotshot GM who comes from a smaller market to the big market win a World Series as an executive in a season where we didn't have a pandemic? Oh, you just you just got to carve the Dodgers out of there because they're like the best do example. Do you see how I did that? Do you see how I did that? I was like, uh, okay, it's going to be Friedman. I got the answer. It's Friedman. Oh, it's not wait, my what? first rodeo, my friend. Uh, Has yeah, one I, of I, your I, nerds, here, here, I'll, I'll put it in your terms. Has one of your nerds brought it, brought it home? <laughs> Has one of your brethren brought it home in a non-pandemic 60-game year? Which, by the way, I'm on record of saying that year was brutal. I give the Dodgers what to put in those players – 
Millions. I mean, you got millions of people are sick. Over a million died. We're putting these guys in a bubble. If mm-hmm. you're telling me that World Series didn't matter, screw you. I no, you're just at- trying to trying to weasel out of Friedman's success because yeah. Friedman is having great success. No I doubt. Mean, they, those, the Dodgers They're the win, model. They, They're the model, model of baseball. Yeah. But t- we yeah. got to take them out because, yes, it wasn't a full season. Has well, any- it's also just because has anyone else done it? You know, like, you know, you're right to ask, is this a mod? Like, is this a model for other teams to be like, could I find the next Friedman? Right. That's I'm bloom. I don't even know if I'm going to be back. Uh, You know, like the Cubs had success by going and getting the original guy who did it. You but know? he was a big you know, market seen, guy. Do you, yeah, he already did it in a big market. It's a good yeah. point. Yeah. Um, it is, it is an interesting thing because, uh, you can actually look right now, I think uh, across the pond in, in San Francisco and look at someone who comes from that tree of, of, of smaller markets. Yes. He worked in LA at Farhan Zaidi, but he, he's running the giants like the Rays. I mean, what do they do? They, 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 they have two starting pitchers and then they have 13 other pitchers that are on the roster and they try to get outs with, you know, what, do, what do they do in the, in, in the lineup? They have two guys who are in the lineup every day. And then they have a, you know, 12 other guys that they try to, you know, win games with. So, uh, you know, it's almost like treating like a math problem. And sometimes it's just annoying to be at the games. Cause you're like, who's, who's here today. You do know, you, what's coming to happen today. You got two boys. They play baseball. They love, do they like watching it? They want to watch what Alex Cobb pitches. <laughs> they want to watch when they know who the pitcher is. Um, they they've gotten into it to the point where the the winning matters, and they want to root for a team that's going to go to the postseason. And so they're, they're into you know, did they win or not? And you know, when you are a kid, you can deep dive onto the team and know all the players on the team. So by the way, the Giants. Uh, do we call it codify or codify? Codify, I think. All right, Codify had today, uh, Giants attendance is down like 21%. So this whole, it only matters about wins and losses, and it doesn't matter how you play from an entertainment standpoint, their attendance, I sent that to you, Cody. What was that? I sent it to you earlier. It was, it, it was attendance this year for, since 2018. Since 2018, yeah, this throws in a 107-win season. Uh, Giants attendance has been down, but go ahead. Well, it's interesting to think about. I mean, I think that there's a lot of stuff that goes into attendance, uh, you know, demographic concerns in San Francisco. You know, people aren't working. People are working from home. They aren't living in San Francisco the same way. There's been an exodus to the surrounding population. It's a little bit harder to go to the games, further to go to the games for a lot of the people who had the money that were that were going to those games. Um, I, I think the attendance is down for a lot of things. Like uh, uh, I heard that um, Rihanna came to town and uh, didn't sell out, you know, at Levi Stadium. So, uh, you know, there's different. I think there's something going on in the Bay Area that's beyond that. But also, Taylor Swift I think you're did. Right. Taylor Swift did, and she got did, into my did. pocket for the fourth time. Oh no! I've that been went deep into your pocket. Fourth I'm sure. time. Taylor Swift has got me four times. How about this though? We could set this up as a as a dichotomy. So you've got the Yankees, right? And the Yankees lead the uh, the league all the time in attendance. They have their their top three, top two. They're always in the top three in attendance. And um, one of the complaints that I've heard from the Yankees is you haven't given the young guys a chance. Well, what do the Yankees do? For the most part, they try to to, to put out these veterans. Whenever the veterans are healthy, they put them out in the lineup. And that's what they do. Maybe they haven't given Jason Dominguez uh, a, a fair shot. Maybe they haven't given Oswaldo Peraza a fair shot. That's some of the, the discussion in the league. 
but you see that the Giants kind of doing the same thing. They didn't just give Luis Matos a job in the outfield. He's come up and gone down and come up and gone down. So I just think it's a thing that across baseball, you want you you avoid risk and you and, and young players are often risk. You know, uh, the A's get the chance when they do these little mini rebuilds to just put everybody out there and and, and just be like, Zach, we're going to see what you can do for months, you know. But even the A's, Tyler Soderstrom's been up, he's been down, he's in the lineup, he's not, you know. So I think generally people want to avoid risk. Um, and I think you see some commonalities with the way that the Yankees are run and the way the Giants are run too. So I, I don't know that you can blame it all on uh, the way that the team is run. But I, I do think it's interesting you do see a difference in hiring Stearns versus hiring Chris Getz. I mean, if you want to put two teams up against each other. White Sox versus Mets. White Sox versus Mets. So the, both of these teams, uh, is I think, knew who they wanted a year ago. I mean, like there wasn't like there wasn't like really uh, an interview process for the White Sox job. They didn't bring people in. No. You know? <laughs> that was quick. <laughs> <laughs> they just fired a guy. They're like, and now Chris gets, you know? And so you're like, okay. Yeah. So that wasn't like a comprehensive, like, you know, let me talk and listen to people. And, you know, I, I think Steve Cohen has come as close as you can get to tampering in uh, when it comes to a, uh, to a guy in baseball as I've ever seen. I mean, you've been talking about how I'm waiting. He said David Stern's name multiple times. He's not allowed to talk to him, you know, like, so he knew he wanted David Stern's like two years ago. You know, and Epler was just a guy keeping the seat warm until until Stearns came. Stearns was able to talk to people for like one day, talk to the Mets, and he just got confirmed like four weeks later. I don't I don't think that was like a, a, a wide ranging uh, interview process. So um, I but I at the same time, I have biases where I'm like David Stearns was part of the Astros and the and the Brewers. And uh, he did really good things there in terms of building uh, a sustainable winning culture. Uh, I've heard personally from people like uh, from voter uh, that uh, a vote told me that uh, when he arrived there, uh, David Stearns was there to shake his hand and say, what do you need? What does your family need? We care about you as a person. So it's a bit, bit, of, a, bit of a like kinder, gentler Astros approach, um, not quite so cutthroat consultant as as Luna was. Um, and uh, he has experience building, whereas Chris Getz, I don't know what he has experienced building these White Sox, which haven't worked. So uh, that I, I would say that, you know, these two processes have some similarities, but I, I'm going to take the Stearns process here. Yeah, he, he was an intern with the Mets, so he's been around it before. They've got one of the best farm system now and he's got a lot of money. So it should be interesting. And, you know, that uh, Uncle Steve's still going to write the check. Hey, what's going on in um, in Washington? This whole thing with Strasburg. Now, I talked to Dave Stewart, former GM, and Stu was like, when this guy retires and everybody's acting like he's going to get all that money, that's not how that works. You don't retire and take all the money left on the contract. Hurt or not, that's not how it works. So Stu was saying to me last time I did TV with him, he knew this wasn't going to end well. Uh, the minute what, he heard it, huh? Where, 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 where are we with uh, Rizzo and the Nats? And uh, I remember David Wright retired early, uh, and he had money left on the contract. But as I remember it, they you know there's always like sort of a discussion and concessions, and we'll give you this yeah. much and you know this much. And and one of David Wright's concessions was he immediately got a job in the front office. 
<laughs> That's so, a great gig. Uh, I don't think the nationals are going to explore that one with Strasburg. Um, I don't think Strasburg wants that one, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's always a give and take and I guess they hadn't hashed it out. I think, I think honestly, if Mike Rizzo had a contract and things were being run a little bit more normally, this wouldn't have happened. Um, I think this probably happened because right now, Mike Rizzo himself is saying, am I under contract? Am I running this league, running this, uh, this team? And interestingly, the ownership decided to extend his manager before they extended him. So Davey Johnson has an extension, but Mike Rizzo doesn't. So that's sending some sort of strange message that is going to filter down into day-to-day operations and make you make mistakes like the Steven Strasburg thing, because people just don't know where they stand. And Mike Rizzo is probably like, I don't know, was I supposed to do that? I don't even know if I'm under contract right now, you know? So there's a there's a uh, there's a, a dysfunction there that I think comes from ownership, but it also points to something which is, you know, often you find a manager general manager pairing um, that, for example, with David Stearns. Did you hear this? Uh, Craig Council is likely to take the year off next year, and then join David Stearns in uh, New York. Like he's not going to sign with the Brewers. Is the newest scuttlebutt? I think uh, Nightingale was reporting this today. So, so Craig Council will be on MLB Network for a year and then come back and will be the new manager of the Mets. Is that what you But saying? over in Washington, they've got Davey Johnson locked down. But Mike Rizzo, I don't know. <laughs> That's it. Well, the, the whole Strasburg thing, it's like funny because I, I, no offense to the media, but I heard this uh, beat writer for the Nats and she was like, appalled by everything that's going on and me as a business owner i was appalled that a guy gets a 245 million dollar contract throws three 31 and a third innings that's it and still expects to get 245 million you out of your mind i'm not paying you over a hundred million dollars to just go away and retire 2019 was a long time ago we're in 2023 i mean you look at this i mean the amount of money he is owed it's crazy. You're just not going to pay a guy over $100 million to walk away. You watch too much football, man. You you <laughs> you think you deserve $100 million. It's not about deserve. It's not about deserve. It's not about deserve. You're not playing. Not You're not playing. We have guaranteed contracts in baseball. It's not guaranteed once you retire. That's called well, contract <laughs> law. Are we yeah. not about the law? So now the media doesn't think contract law matters anymore? If you can't fulfill the contract, you don't get the money. What what doesn't the media, especially in Washington, get about that? Right, right, right. There's only the only yeah. thing guaranteed is you got to play. If you don't play, I don't know if, you, if I'm appalled. If, I, I, if you how, retire, I, 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 you know, if you, you know what if I you put like? in your retirement papers, you're not that, that money's not existing anymore. Here's what I don't like: the we should never have known about the press conference. Agreed. So some communication broke down. And maybe it's Strasburg. He Rizzo sort of came out and started to like be like, we didn't tell you guys about the we didn't tell you guys about the the press conference. You know, it was on their side. You know, and uh, and so maybe maybe that is true. But if that is true, then you should say that in the discussions. Be like, look, Stephen, we're still like running through. So we have to make it come to an agreement before we announce this press conference. So let's not talk about this. You know, let's not talk about this in the media because we still haven't come to an agreement about you know this thing. 
So, you know, it's still not great. Like, remember with the Giants with Correa, it wasn't great that we heard about the press conference, you know. I still have the Instagram photo of Correa in a Giants uniform with the uh, Christmas lights around his neck and the Christmas, uh, it was like a three-pack something for, and I, oh, I love that. And it's posted by the Giants? I Yeah, on Instagram. It was a holiday oh. pack, season ticket holder thing. I still have it on my phone. I love looking at it every once in a while. I mean, this is this is one of the things that's really hard Does about that make me a organization. troll? <laughs> yes, yeah, okay. You 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 you're bordering on troll. You do yeah. this. You do this. It's I trolling. hear you. But but you know, it defends. You know, one thing. Somebody asked me on a podcast recently, "What is the thing that people don't understand the most about about running a team?" And I think what what I said was these things are huge. Teams are huge. There are people doing. Think about it. There are people doing ground like doing like um, grounds work in high A Modesto. You know what I mean? Like you have people that are on the grounds crew in high A Modesto. You have you have coaches all the way down, up and down. You have you have roving coordinators, roving coaches, directors of player development. Uh, you know, pitching coordinators. All this stuff. You have all these people working and you're trying to get everybody on the same page, trying not to get them to talk. Media is on the other side, trying to get them to talk all the time, you know, and you and you've got to steer the ship in a certain direction. Uh, maybe sometimes you have to say these big proclamations that sound stupid, but you have to say something to get everybody to, you know, when you have these stupid shirts in spring training, control the zone, whatever it is. We always have like a spring training shirt, right? Train to rain. Train to rain. It's our time or whatever it is. It's like there's always some stupid shirt. Yeah. Some part of being a, a, a GM is the dealing with the media, but also shepherding this huge tanker and trying to move it in a certain direction and keep everyone in this thing on board and everything copacetic to the point where like. You know, your PR guy doesn't tweet out the picture of Carlos Correa too early. You know what I mean, like there's a lot that goes into it. And the flip side is people are like, oh, I want a job in baseball. Yeah, you want a job in baseball. Your first job in baseball may be way more menial than you think. You know, like there's people who do all sorts of things that are in baseball that are, you know, like I look at video and try to see if someone's finger is out of place when he's pitching uh, so that we can figure out if it's a tell. And then I go tell, you know, I go tell the pitching coach or the hitting coach and that's it. That's my job. There are people, that's their job. They're just studying the other posing pitcher every day, every night, trying to figure out if there's a tell using, using advanced techniques. You know, they do use a uh, Hawkeye and they do use biomechanics to do this, but you know, that's their job. <laughs> uh, so I, that's what I think people don't uh, always understand about baseball. is like how complicated and huge a team is. Uh, disclaimer for all of our fans who go to spring training and buy those stupid T-shirts at spring training with those ridiculous sayings. We want to thank you for your support every single spring <laughs> down at Ho Ho Camp. Park. You are helping us train to rain. <laughs> I love the spring training shirts, by the way. I go down there. I'm going, yeah, we get a discount. I'll take that. I'll take that. I'll take yeah. that. Hey, um, everybody was so worried about the Angels losing Otani. How about an off season where you lose Otani? And Trout. Yeah, they they're gonna have to put some money into that deal if they want to get good prospects back. But if they want to just you know let the money go uh, and just take whatever prospects they're given, then I do think some teams will step to the table because Trout, when he's healthy, and when you think about it, the very best teams that are the, like the Dodgers types, where they're like bringing in young guys that are okay, they would love to have a guy who's when he's in, he's great. 
And when he's hurt, he just goes on the IL. That actually works if you think about roster management, if you have young players. If you have a young player who can step up and play, that's great. When Trout is in, he helps you win. When he's not, he gives you a roster spot. You know, oh, it's Eno, better Eno, than Eno. it's better than having a bad player, a mediocre player that's going to play and you can't get rid of him. Yeah, but how's that going to play if you have if you have Otani and Trout on the Dodgers and you're the oh Angels? My I mean, that's, oh, that's, my that's God. A, I mean, that's a natural place. I will say that the Dodgers have seen been oh. a little bit more cost conscious than I thought. So but can you just more like like Mike Trout on the Giants or Otani on the Giants and, and Mike you, Trout. Somebody you, need on the to, Yankees. you need to send Trout East. <laughs> you, need, yeah. <laughs> you cannot have him in your back. Can you imagine if Trout resurrects and it's him and Mookie Betts and you Trout got a, and Mookie? You got like, to Otani and DH wins. And, and you're the Angels. Yeah. You got to live that in your own market every day. Oh, that too. Yeah, that'd be oh, awful. God, that'd be awful. <laughs> <laughs> every day. But every day. And they're you just know, hammering you start hearing you every about day. how they want to move. You'd start hearing about how they yeah. want to move. They want they're not going to want to move out of California. Um, yeah. But I, it's an interesting thing. Trout hasn't played in 150 games since 2016. Only once he's played 140. That was a long time ago with a lot of money still. I mean, he basically has like a, a Rendon Strasburg contract left around 240-something million. I'll just ask I would you, take, would you take it? Would you take on that money, give up a bunch of prospects, and take on that money? I would knowing- not give up. If I took on the money, I would not give up a bunch of prospects. I would give up. I'd give you some 17-year-olds that, you know, I have no idea what they're going to do, you know? Uh, and uh, I would never give you somebody that was close and projectable. I would give you, you know, some 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 guys that you could say you got prospects and I could say I didn't really, I don't know, you, maybe you did. Uh, but what I would do with Mike Trout is, and this people would really hate this, and they're actually about to come up with a rule in the NBA that matters about this. But what I would do with Mike Trout is an NBA-style load management with him. I would, I would be very careful about how I used him. He would, he would probably play for me like five times a week. Uh, and I would be very careful. I use those rest days and people would hate me for it, but it might keep trout more healthy. Do you hear about this NBA rule? That oh, to yeah. do this thing? Well, we've lived you, it with the warriors. It's, it's, you disgusting. can't rest two stars on the same night. This is the new rule that they're yeah, d- I mean, discussing. It's, it, it's, it's tough. I mean, when you, when, Greg Popovich started it, and then all of a sudden, when you pay all this big money to go to these games, the next thing you know, you're playing the bench. It, it, it's it's a bad look. No, I understand. I mean, Trout is at an age, but you know what? It's like funny. We looked at him like he's going to be an all-time great. I mean, he already is, man. He's like top thirty, top thirty all time. He's got an eighty-five WAR. The all-time greats over a hundred. I know he's not. He's not quite where we like. That's he's what I'm not, saying. Like I he, thought he would be like top ten. He like he, I, I, he's top thirty, but I thought I mean, he'd be top when you're 10. up here with me, he might still. He's well, got some time to play. But I'm talking about the greats, man. I'm talking Williams, Bonds, Mays, yeah. Aaron, Ruth. He could have hurt him. He was in that. He was on that trajectory. His math was going to add up to those guys, and it's just like now, I would load manage him into fifteen more wins and get him sneak him right up to hundred. I'm worried because he was so. I mean. He's a, other than Bonds, he was the best player I had seen, and then yeah. now, now he can't he can't even get on the field. It's not like it's not like he blew out his knee or Aaron Rodgers. He blew out he his Achilles. A bigger guy though, right? He looks He's like thick. a linebacker. He's thick. He's not tall. Yeah. He's thick. But the yeah. fact that it's just 
It's injuries. It's not like devastating surgery, UCL, knee, back. It's like sprained calf, calf, bad back. Yeah. And those are bad. That's a bad sign. If you're because it's not like he's old. He's what, 32 years old and you can't stay healthy. That's not a good sign. Yeah, it might be. Bring him to Oakland. He'd be perfect as an A. You know, the Twins <laughs> tried to load manage Byron Buxton. And, How's uh, that going? You know, that's not working out very well. How's so. that going? Well, think... It's a good point. It's a good John point. Carlos Stanton, they load manage. I would say him. that Buxton might be a more extreme case than Trout. <laughs> what about what about you call him Mike? I call him John Carlos Stanton. How'd that work? He's been hurt. When has load management ever worked in Major League Baseball? You've got 150-plus years. I've seen really good evidence of it working in basketball. I will say that I have not seen the same sort of rigorous uh, attempt to study it in baseball. Who can take down the Denver Nuggets this coming season if you want to go basketball? (laughs) Is this light the beam Sacramento Kings year? I always wanted to be, but the the Kings sort of remind me of the Mets. I don't know why. (laughs) I spent a long time being a Mets fan in New York, and I was like, this is the year. uh, Are you a Mets fan? LOL Mets, you know. Are you a Mets fan? Well, I was when I was. I lived in New York for 10 years. I wasn't going to be. Did you really? I thought you grew up in the South. I was a Braves fan, 86 to 94. Are you worried that David Stearns looks more like your account than a guy that's going to run your baseball team? Uh, isn't that everybody at this point? No, not Billy Bean came walking in. He didn't look like an accountant. <laughs> All right, there's a former baseball player. Billy sure. Bean looked like he could. I, I, he was. He made decisions like one. Yeah, but Billy Bean came walking in like <laughs> Jack Sparrow, Pirates of the Caribbean. That's what you need, swashbuckler. I think about that sometimes with managers. I think about it less with general managers. General managers. I don't see them in the clubhouse that often. You know, Actually, Hein Bloom, that... Bloom is a really good-looking kind of bit tall guy. <laughs> if you think about it, I got managers. The players see every day. Managers see they see every day. I think sometimes it does matter stature and 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 history in the game and have they played. I think it matters a little bit more for someone you see every day than like the guy who's you know up in the front office making decisions. You kind of expect that guy to kind of be a bean counter anyway, right? Yeah, no doubt. Um, where do you come down on this one on this? Boston now 73 and 71. All this talk. I got a buddy who's a Boston fan. He's like, yeah, you got that one of the best farm system. Hein Bloom, he's got one year left after this year. Is Boston gonna give him an extension? I think they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna put a lot of emphasis on next year. I bet you they don't sign him before they have to. They, you know, one thing they try not to publicize those GM deals. So you don't actually know when they're expiring so that you don't cover them the same way you cover an expiring manager. You always call us an expiring manager, a lame duck manager. Yeah. When are you going to get that extension? You ask the manager, you ask them, are you thinking about this? Blah, 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 blah. They try not to publicize exactly like Farhan's deal. When is that up? When is it? When did it start? What are the options? They try not to give you all that information. They don't want you knowing how much Heimblum makes, you know, they don't want you asking him about his extension so i would say that they would just keep quiet about it and they'd give him one more year and you know with the way that the the red sox have gone up and down they could be good next year i mean they 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 have some things going on for them they got some young players they brought up that they still have devers you know they if they got some pitchers in there i think they could be a better team next year all right number one thing we learned oktoberfest in the drow <laughs> when is that? is that this weekend yeah saturday are you going Oh, yeah, maybe. It's up to see if I get a hall pass. Uh, 
I'm taking the little leaguers to the the game on Sunday. Yes, you, see you me are. In Oakland on Sunday. Yes, you I'm are. I'm gonna have a bunch of little kids with me. The little leaguers are coming with me to the game. Why don't you take a little leaguers to the Oktoberfest? <laughs> That's what my German parent, like grandparents, <laughs> might have done. Everybody get in the family wagon. We're going to the Oktoberfest. <laughs> We're gonna dance and do all the things. Like, <laughs> you might have some beer. <laughs> hey, you're German. All right, buddy. Have yeah. a good weekend. We'll we'll uh we'll see you Sunday on the uh at the ballpark. That's right. Eno Saris, go ahead. The Eno Saris Show is sponsored by Fieldwork Brewing Company. With eight taproom locations in Northern California, Fieldwork brings you fresh craft beer direct from the source. Fieldwork will also ship beer direct to your door if you live in California. Visit fieldworkbrewing.com. The great Eno Saris. By the way, I, uh, I will admit when I have said something that's not factual, unlike other people that uh, don't seem to do that in the Bay Area media. Uh, Strasburg. I don't know how much money. So he signed through 2023. So it's not $100 million. I was way off. But I think what it is is they don't want to pay him this year. I mean, it's $35 million this year. Yeah. When's he signed through? 20, oh, 2023, yeah. Yeah, this is it. So it's $35 million this year. He hasn't been you've – already, you've already paid him 35 in 2020. You've paid him $35 million in 2021. You've paid him $35 million in 2022. So we've paid you $100 million, bro. I mean, seriously. But, but his deal was for two seventy five. That doesn't add up. I think that he opted out of his deal, and he got the same deal that Rendon got. I thought it was like seven for two forty-five. Yeah, because in two thousand nineteen, he made thirty-eight million. But then he was a he opted out, and that was for twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two, twenty-three. Actually, so they might have renegotiated the deal. And just however, it works. On. He's been paid a hundred million the last three years to not play, and now there's another thirty-five million that they're saying no, we don't want to pay you. Yeah, it's just like when we were talking you and Eno. Why would I pay you? I've already paid you thirty, paid you a hundred million not to play. Once you re- people, you need to realize. Yes, the money's guaranteed, but the minute you retire, and you put your retirement papers in, I don't owe you a dime. The contract, like that's what I was talking about with Dave Stewart. Of course, Dave Stewart, former GM, assistant general manager. Dave Stewart said to me on the 8th when we were there and we were talking to him, Dave Stewart said, I knew something was going to happen. There was no way this was just going to be some easy. I mean, who's just going to write a check to a guy? And if you're going to claim, well, the World Series 2019, it's 2023. 2019 was quite a while ago. We've already paid you $100 million to not play. That's kind of been our thanks, buddy. You've already got your fist pump, bro. This rest of this money, I'm not. Pa- I don't blame them. That's crazy to me. You want? I mean, that's greedy. To say I signed for it, you haven't played, man. They've given you every opportunity. They've helped you every. Now you know why they've said we'll see you at spring training. But then again, his deal's up at the end of this year, so I don't even know why they said that. But I just to think that you want to get every last dime of a contract you've only played 31 innings. I mean, come on, Strasburg. That's that. That's that. That's where I go anti-player, and I go, you're just greedy as hell. 
Well, this has nothing to do with what I'm going to mention right now, but it, th- it makes me think of a pitcher who, you know, um, I don't know if you heard about the stuff going on with Alec Manoa now. The Blue Jays opening He's day vanished, started. right? They sent him to AAA, and he he didn't pitch because he didn't like he didn't he wasn't happy with being sent to AAA. The guy's been a nightmare all season. It's been awful. He's not going to pitch again the rest of the year either. This is a guy that was. Why would you? He stinks. He was awesome last year. Comes back this year, starts opening day for the Blue Jays, and then he was in the rookie league like a month later. Like that's how far he fell off. Now I've heard theories. That First people, of all, it wasn't the rookie league. First they just sent him to. Florida, the complex to, to yeah. work out, yeah, because he was so bad. Well, see, there's you know there's been the theories of the people said that he's out of shape. The other one is I've heard some theories that people think that the pitch timer has kind of really thrown him off and he hasn't been able to adjust. But if he you're the only guy in Major League Baseball that couldn't adjust to the pitch timer, that's more you thing than anything else. Yeah, I I, I have to think that. Uh, <laughs> I have to think those are excuses. There, there's probably some. If you're telling me throwing the ball a few seconds earlier is the reason why you can't get anybody out, I'm having a hard time with that. I should have. And then it. you know what? I don't want you then. Would you really want somebody who's blaming the pitch timer? And I know our own guy Trevor May at some point was kind of blaming it, but if you're you're blaming the pitch timer when everybody else is um, not having a problem, I don't want you. And that really tells you how mentally weak you are. Trying to see where he's at on this. Uh, he is, according to pitch tempo on Baseball Savant, this is bases empty. This is what his the average pitch timer is for him, or his average tempo. It's saying it's 17.8. So you're telling me he violates, he has a violation every single time he throws the ball with nobody on? So that's not good. Then when you, when you take it to uh, guys on, he's 21.2. So the slowest guy in baseball is Felix Batista in almost 19 seconds with nobody on. And he's not playing anymore. Uh, well, he might be back. They're saying he could be back. He's not going to play. Uh, all these guys on here, though, like Brian Wu, decent starter for the Mariners. But, like, Manoa's a guy that is a bona fide guy that was up for the Cy Young last year, and he just fell off the face of the earth this year. He is at a point to where his career is in jeopardy. And he's still young. He's For only- a young guy. His he- career is in jeopardy. Like, like, when you fall off like this, you, you – you don't normally see. He's twenty-five. You don't see guys, because remember, this isn't somebody that throws really hard. This is not a guy that has been dominant with just he comes out and dominates you. This has been a really, this is a tough moment in your career. How many guys? How many guys in the history of baseball go from being an all-star? to being sent back to Florida to the complex the next year. And then you come back from the complex, you still can't get anybody out, and you disappear from your team. Yeah, he was sent to AAA a month ago. Yeah. He's, what... he's working out somewhere. He's just – he's left. How many guys rebound from something like that? Yeah, Last year, if he's want to do – last year he was 16-7 and seven with a 224 ERA and 31 starts. 196 and two-thirds innings. This year in 87 and the third, 19 starts, he's 3-9 and nine with a 587 ERA. Remember when Barry Zito lost it? Barry Zito lost it. Like, literally lost it. In the very end in 12, he rebounded, pitched well for the Giants in the postseason, had a historic start in the postseason. But once Barry Zito lost it, he never got it back. Like, it's very – I mean – 
see guys resurrect careers as relievers or whatever. It's just something like this is really, and I know he's 25, but this is like, this is really bad. This is really like, I don't know where you go from here. This is this is these are sign these are these are for front office people and in baseball they'll always give you an opportunity but at some point people stop giving you opportunities this is new by the way obviously this is one year but like wherever he's going to pitch next year if he doesn't pitch well the alarm signs are going off something's wrong right you're saying issues 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 how do you rebound from this the only way you rebound is you get outs. But if he struggles after whatever Toronto's going to do with him, let's say he comes back with Toronto, still can't get anybody out. Then they ship him to somewhere else, and then he can't. And you're going to be looking at it going, oh, he's still only 26, he's still only 27. But right now the alarms are going off. Something's wrong with this guy, right? And it's not good. Yeah, And it's sad to see because he was in the All-Star game last year. Yeah, he was great last year. Where did he finish in the Cy Young voting last year? He was uh, – he finished – third in the American League Cy Young voting last year. And this is a guy that was drafted very high out of West Virginia, debuted not even two years later after being drafted, had two, he had a good rookie year, really good last year, and then this year it's just been, un, I mean, it's just been terrible. He wasn't even getting people out in the minor leagues. No, and now he's not going to pitch again this year. And he's not a free agent until 2020. What what, what's the average in fastball in the gun? Uh, let me pull see what his uh, velocity is. Um, and Noah, it's loading. I want to do. I want to get back into in, into trout for a second. No, 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 for sure. Because I can give you how much money he's left. How much left is on his contract? Uh, Manoa's um, velocity on his fastball this year was ninety ninety three. Ninety ninety two on his four seam. Ninety two point six on a sinker. And these are not radio stations. And uh, it was that's actually down from last year when his fastball was hitting ninety four. Yeah. Uh, uh, Trout's got seven years left after this year. It's two forty something. Two forty eight. So this is really this is perplexing, and you know it's funny. Like Eno is a great guy to talk about it because what is the first thing he thinks of? It's what everybody thinks of. Everybody go to the Dodgers. Everybody's going to the Dodgers. You know, it's been the Yankees for Trout for all this. Now it's the Dodgers. There is no way in hell that you're going to lose Otani and then trade Mike Trout to the Los Angeles Dodgers. That is not going to happen. You are not going to do that. In your own market, having to live that every day, if Trout turns it around and blossoms, you want to live every day Mike Trout is a Dodger? No freaking way. If anything, you want to trade him to the National League and you want to trade him to the East Coast and you want to have that divorce. But it is sad because Mike Trout's a good dude. It is sad when your franchise player, when you part ways with your franchise all-time great and you're not doing it at an old age. You're doing it at an at, a, at an age he's still in that box of his prime. I mean, I've talked about it a few years ago in Tempe where they train. 
I went. I was I was down there for spring training. I I did pregame, and I went into their team store there, and literally the entire team store was trout. Trout, that trout hat with the fish, the trout shirts, trout jerseys. Trout. I mean, it's trout everything. And then you looked at their giveaways. It's be it's beach beach towel trout night. It's 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 whatever. It's trout bobblehead. Trout. Every giveaway, like three fourths of all their giveaways were trout. Mike Trout barbecue set. When you get that level of a player, you want to see that guy. For as a baseball fan, even though he kicks a. Sh- crap out of us you know you want to see that guy stay there his entire career like did you really like seeing Griffey as a red or a white sock no Griffey should have stayed in the Pacific Northwest his entire career it's good for the game when Cal Ripken stays his whole career in in Baltimore Tony Gwynn stays in San Diego or George Brett stays in Kansas City, especially, you know, when those when you're not a Yankee or a Dodger, when you are the Angels. I mean, you have your franchise. He's your franchise's best ever player. It's better for our game if guys stay. You know, would have been better if Paul Goldschmidt stayed in Arizona's entire career? Would it be better if these guys stay, you know, they stay the whole time there? You know, Robin Yount was a brewer forever. You want to see that. Kirby Puckett played his entire career in Minnesota, but, of course, he got hurt. But you want to see these guys. That's good That's good for the game. Not guys switching and trading and doing all that. That's when, when you can say, who did he play for? He's an angel. He's a royal. He's a. That's kind of something that's. Obviously, free agency happened and all that's kind of changed in our game. It's one thing that we complain about. We, as A's fans, should understand, yes, Trout should be an angel for his career because we've longed for that guy. Like, how the hell did Ricky Henderson ever play for anybody else? Well, we find out he was kind of a pain in the you-know-what. But, ideally, Ricky would have played here his entire career. No one plays here their entire career. That's sad. That is sad. And it's tough. We don't see that anymore in baseball. But if you have a great player, you kind of wish that that guy would stay with the franchise because what he means to these communities, what he means to the families, what he means all these years when he's a retired player and everybody can say, I watched you. Like when I was in Detroit and Al Kaline came and introduced himself to me, and I was like, oh, my God, it's Al Kaline. Because Mr. Tiger, Mr. Tiger didn't go play for the Brewers. He didn't go down and play for the Marlins. Of course, they weren't around, but you know what I'm saying. Like, Mr. Mr. Tiger didn't end up a Ray or a Devil Ray. Al Kaline plays his entire career in Detroit. I wish we could still have that, and I want Trout to stay. I wish he was healthy because he's one of the greatest players I've ever seen, and I wish he'd stay in Anaheim and stay there for his entire career. I was trying to think of guys recently that have been guys that played their entire career. You know, last 20, 25 years and stayed in the whole in one location. Votto's going to be one with the Reds. Yeah, great. Uh, I can't even say King Felix with the Mariners because he moved. So, yeah, it's it's mainly like Votto and I guess you can throw Jeter in there. Yeah. And, I mean, I mean I'm, how many times were like, what cap is he going to wear in the Hall of Fame? Come on. Right? I mean, of course, Derek Jeter, the captain, he should play his entire career. Yeah, Joey Votto would be right if Joey Votto got shipped out to, I don't know, 
wherever. I'm, I'm, I'll say the Blue Jays because he's, he's from Canada. That's but. terrible, man. He should be a Red his entire Gen- – Oh, Todd Helton with the Rockies the whole time. Gen- generations grow up watching you play. Generations. Chipper Jones. Fathers, mothers, sons, daughters, and then they have kept people. Generations watch you play. We need that back in our game. You don't want to see guys. I mean, really? You want to see Tom Brady as a Tampa Bay Buccaneer? You want to see Michael Jordan as a Washington Wizard? No. It's terrible. What about Tom Brady as a New York Jet? How about Phillip Rivers? There's a lot of guys that are being thrown around out there. Robert Sala came out today said it's Zach Wilson's team until he loses a game. And then they're like, oh, we got to find a new quarterback. Until he loses two games. <laughs> oh, Fran Reardon has to be. Fran was, te- Fran was literally texting me during Eno because he, he got back and he goes, thanks again for playing Shout yesterday. I guess it didn't really mean anything after that after that debacle. Then Sad. I said I didn't have Aaron Rodgers getting hurt on my bingo card four plays in. Sad. I mean, how many times have we ever seen that where you have a guy that comes over and, my God, first series. He's hurt on the first series. He didn't even throw a pass. <laughs> oh. That's, that, to me, is really sad. That's when I go back to think that Jets and Mets fans are cursed. If you're a fan of both teams, I mean, your, your fandom has to be. No, the Jets haven't won since Joe Namath. Yeah, Mets haven't won since 86. 86. You weren't even alive. Yeah, that is, um, that is unbelievable. All right, we got Bobby Crosby coming up next. I have to challenge you on something. You are against my good friend A-Rod. <laughs> well, you that, know I'll defend Alex Rodriguez to the end. Well, that's a, you've really turned a corner since we first started this show. No, I've <laughs> always been an A-Rod guy. <laughs> he didn't know it was steroids. It was a loosey-goosey era. <laughs> I just thought it was a protein bar. I didn't know. <laughs> Isn't that the best? Oh, you're right. Can you imagine? I mean, can you, I mean, seriously, how violated would you be if you were taking something and you didn't know it was a performance-enhancing drug? Like, wouldn't you feel violated? Like, I'd be scared to death. I got a, you know, folks, I'm just going to be honest. I got a ton of cancer in my family, right? And, um... My dad died at 68. My mom died at 70. A lot of my family, I mean, we're not, we're not like the Corax and live till 104. I, you know, I'm officially on the back nine, if you look at our family history. I would feel so, I mean, I've quit everything. I've quit drinking. I've quit, I've changed my diet. Because now I, I, I'm trying to play the longevity game. I want to see grandchildren. I want to see my kids get married. I've changed my life hoping, hoping I can change what's happened in my family's history. I can't tell you how violated I would be if I was taking something and I didn't know it was really what that is. Because you start taking stuff th- that... Like, Giambi's a great example. One of the things about testosterone and stuff is it can speed up certain processes, good or bad, right? All of a sudden, Giambi started getting tumors. Tumors started to grow. You have tumors in your body. They're, you know, I'm not going to say they're dormant. I'm not a doctor, whatever. But obviously, tumors started to grow in his body. 
there's certain things when you take this stuff, there are risks. Now, you're willing to take that risk when you know. But this shows you what liars these guys are when they go, huh, I didn't know. Remember Frankie Montas? I just got this thing at GNC or wherever the hell he said he got it. You're like, come on, man, really? Who was the one that did it for the fertility? Was it Cano? No, fertility was uh, uh, Manny Ramirez. Oh, yeah, that's right. I didn't know that Manny Wood in Hollywood was trying to get pregnant. <laughs> yeah, but it's like you're like taking this stuff and you're like, oh, I just, you know, I, I bought it. It's over the counter. And it just so happens, you know, they're trying to act like there's all these labs. I mean, it's like anything else in business. They have these labs that are mass producing these pills and putting them into bottles and shipping it to GNCs and all this other stuff. And you're acting like, oh, Somehow this illegal stuff got into the stuff that's legal. No. Come on, bro. Come on. But can you imagine how violated you would feel like if I'm worried about my health and you're now you're putting some type of testosterone booster, some type of thing into my, you know, an anabolic steroid into my system that I didn't know? And the harm that could cause? Heart attack. Uh, it can do a lot of different things to you. How violated would you feel versus the, oh, man, I didn't know I was taking that. I treat my body like a temple. Yes, you do. <laughs> yes. I don't drink. Yes, you do. I don't eat anything bad. Yes, you do. It's like one, one of the most fam- famous ones, and uh, no one will go down this road because they're gutless. You want to talk about the media – especially the media and politics and sports are great. They just lie to you constantly. They lie to you constantly. If it doesn't fit their narrative, they will lie, 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 and lie some more. You want to know one of the greatest lies of all time? And no one will go down this road because it doesn't help the sport or fit the narrative. I'll give you the biggest lie of all. That's Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods had the blood spun for his knee by the PED doctor, the Canadian guy that's in the Mitchell report, and was stopped at the border, arrested, and got into trouble. Galele or something, whatever his name was. Let's go look it up. And Hank Haney, the swing coach at the time for Tiger Woods, said, I was there. Nothing, you know, nothing, none of that stuff was going on. So. Out of all the doctors, Galea, Anthony Galea, and he pleads guilty, Canadian sports doctor whose high-profile clients have included Tiger Woods and Alex Rodriguez, pleaded guilty in federal court Wednesday to bringing into the United States unapproved drugs, including human growth hormone, that were used to treat professional athletes. 2020, uh, 2011. So a guy that's pleaded guilty in federal court was spinning blood for your bad knee and you're claiming and the golf media did not want any part of it. They do not want tight because you know what? There is proof. There is documented data proof that when Tiger Woods played and Tiger Woods won, equipment sales went up and golf rounds went up. The business of golf flourished. More people wanted to play, more people made money. More people wanted to watch the Golf Channel. 
More people wanted to read Golf Digest. More people wanted to play and buy balls and buy equipment when Tiger Woods was winning. There is documented proof. So you think they're going to take down the golden child? It doesn't fit the narrative. They will lie to you. They will flat out lie to you. No one will link Tiger Woods to to performance enhancing drugs, even though he worked with the doctor who was stopped at the border and and pled guilty to having unapproved drugs. What part of two and two makes four do you not get? Just follow follow the, the timeline. Look at Tiger's body now. Anthony Galea, this, this doctor, worked with worked with Alex Rodriguez, and we all go, ah, A-Rod was on steroids. Well, he worked with Tiger Woods. Golf people go, he, Tiger Woods ever did PEDs. People were tested. They will defend it till the end of the earth because popping Tiger Woods for PEDs, can you imagine what that does to their sport? Do you know what that does to their sport if you have to admit that Tiger Woods was on PEDs? Oh, my God. All of a sudden, he's dropped down. Oh, he's not the greatest. Jack Nicholas is up here. Everybody who idolized Tiger has to go, oh, wow, he was on PE. I mean, it changes their sport. And they will not go after that, even though the evidence, it's all right in front of you. But it doesn't fit their narrative. I'm a big Bryson DeChambeau guy. He does. He just lifts weights. Drive the golf ball three hundred feet, but I, 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 t- I, I, I've said it for years. I've been working in this ty- this style of business for a long time. If there's ever anybody who does something that you have never seen been done before, I know by nature we want to enjoy it, we want to love it, we we this is what we want. But the reality is you should always question. You should always question. Like, why is somebody doing something that we have never seen done before? The home run record was 61. You saw a guy hit 70 and then 73. How do you not question that by nature? How does somebody so dramatically fly by that? How do they do that? It's not like... McGuire and Bonds got 62 and 63. They flew by it. Have we seen anybody even sniff 60 cents? Yes. Stan hits 59 and Judge last year. That's not okay. Kind of sniffed it. These guys hit 70. Yeah. Judge hit six. Judge has the American League record now. 70. I don't think we we'll Yeah, seen you're that right. Again. Judge passed it. Yeah. But they, he's still not even there. Yeah, I don't think we'll ever see one get there again. And Judge just had one of the greatest years we've ever seen. Yeah. Judge just had one of the greatest years we've ever seen. No one's even sniffed 70. That's what I should have said. No one's sniffed 70. Yeah, well, right now they got the leader in baseball is at 50. 50. 73. 73. And we didn't question? And we honestly didn't sit there and go, huh. It's like when Ben Johnson beat Carl Lewis in the Olympics. Flew by Carl Lewis. No one flies by Carl Lewis. He's the Canadian sprinter. Up steroids. I mean, there's always, like, when you're watching somebody do stuff that's never been done before, you should always question. Always question. And it's okay to do that. And you as an athlete should be like, yep, 
Test me all you want, baby. I'm clean. Remember Lance Armstrong? His heart's bigger than everybody else's. It pumps more blood. Right? You had all of these yuppies, and my brother was one of them, wearing all their Live Strong bands, and everybody's Live Strong. Now, I, I do give Lance Armstrong credit that he raised millions upon millions of dollars for cancer, which is a good thing. But if there's any good thing that comes from being a fraud, at least he helped people. But Lance Armstrong was an absolute fraud. And all the people who backed him and all the people who told you for questioning him, and lives are ruined because you questioned him. They went after you. Kind of reminds you how things are working today, right? If you go against what people want, they will try to destroy you. They will try and cancel you. They did the same thing with people who went against Lance Armstrong. They destroyed him. There were lawsuits. There were all this. And in the end, did Lance Armstrong use PEDs? Yes. All these years. There, people used to have Live Strong parties. Yuppies were having Live Strong parties, and they all had their Live Strong bands on. And Do you remember that? The you might have been a little young for that. Uh, no, I was in high school and the Livestrong stuff was happening. Remember he had Livestrong parties? I mean, people were geeking out over this stuff. It was all a fraud. Uh, look, You can go back. They've done Netflix on it. Go back and look how the people in the Lance Armstrong camp sued people, went after people, tried to destroy people to protect him. And in the end, he was a fraud. He was doing something we had never seen before. Always question when you see somebody doing something that's never happened before. All I know is to get where I've gotten in my life, I just said my prayers and ate my vitamins, brother. Hulk Hogan <laughs> was he fought for our country. By the way, you want to know how great Hulk Hogan is? Someone put out there on Twitter top three rivals of Hulk Hogan. You want to know what makes Hogan the best of all time? Is that so many people had so many different answers. That's what will make Hogan different than anybody in the history of wrestling? Who? Mm, yes. Who they? Who did you? Who? What, what Macho was Man was on every one of them. The Mega Powers, of course. But I mean, there's even people are bringing up The Rock. They had I, a good. They had a good. They had a good match. Yeah, but think of how old Hogan was then. Yeah, there's a lot of his WCW guys. Um, if anything, that's back why to, when you go Stone Cold Steve Austin, there's no. You couldn't even do that. You couldn't even do that. That's why Hogan is the greatest. Well, his longevity, he made the league, and then his he's the Babe Ruth. You want to take Babe Ruth down, fine. But he's the Babe Ruth of wrestling. Well, Stone Cold's the whole big, the biggest thing was Vince McMahon. That's what WWE on the But, I, I mean, you can – Ric Flair and Hogan weren't in the same league for how many years? Yeah, not until Flair joined WWF. Which was when? Like, or was that like early 90s, 91? Something like that? I mean, think about that. Hogan made the WWF and then turned into the WWE. Yeah, and he went to WCW. Then he went to WWE. Then, I think he, then he was in TNA. He still has been in AEW, the new one. I mean, we need to go back to where Hulk Hogan fought for our country against Nikolai Volkov and the Iron Sheik. He also fought Sergeant Slaughter when Sergeant Slaughter turned and became an uh, Iraqi sympathizer. And <laughs> Sergeant Slaughter, of all people, Iraqi sympathizer. And uh, Hogan's, Hogan's beating him. They're, Hogan feuded with uh, Brad. I mean, there's so many... Classic How about John? I saw the thing on John Cena. Not to go off. We will play Bobby Crosby. Uh, John <laughs> Cena's career, I did not know this. John Cena's career was over. He had like one match left. He was just doing like 
random tag team stuff. He was being kicked out of the league. And then he started freestyling. He was on the bus, went back with these other wrestlers, started freestyling. Uh, what's her McMahon's daughter's name? Stephanie. Stephanie McMahon heard it went, that was really good. And that's how he became John Cena today. He was being run out of the league, and he showed him he could freestyle rap, and that saved his wrestling career now made him a multi-multi-multi-millionaire. Oh, so he's back right now, by the way. Um, Did you know that story? Uh, no, but that makes sense. He was on the last tour. I think there was like one or two last match. They were showing him on the plane. He had no identity. His he was The way he explained it, his contract was up. He was done. And he just went full on in on this freestyling, turned him into the guy that he became. And Doctor of Thugonomics. And he, uh, the rest Word is life. history. Then he became, I mean, what John Cena turned into with the make, he is the most make-a-wishes ever granted in the history of make-a-wish, which is fantastic. Now he's an actor. Now he's back in WWE again. He's on one last run. They're saying one last run. How old is he? 45, I think. And he's funnier than hell. When you see him, like, on talk shows and stuff, he's a funny guy. Yeah, he's – I mean, there's they a They just lot. had to get his personality. He had the body, he had the look. You just had to find the right character for him to become. Yeah. A lot of people used to hate him because he always won. He was Vince's golden boy, and it was just – you know, I respect what he's done. It's like Jeter. I, I didn't like Jeter, but I respect what he did. The captain. Hey, the captain. That's the Jeter. I don't think, I don't think we ever saw Hogan and, and Cena wrestle. I don't think so, because I think Hogan was gone before I seen it got big. Well, we had Hulk Hogan in studio, and off the air he was telling us all the surgeries. I mean, the amount of time that guy's been under the knife, unreal. Uh, you had the – was the mouth of the south with him? Yeah, Jimmy Hart. Great Jimmy Hart. The amount of surgeries, my God. All righty. I'm a big fan of our next guest. You don't want to break first? No. Oh, all right. I want to get right into it. He is uh, Bobby Crosby – is going to be a big league manager. He is well-respected, obviously, what he did as a player. But you know what? You're going you're gonna to watch it. You're going to listen to it. And then we'll talk about it after. When you're watching and listening to this, do you hear a big league manager? Here is the manager, former rookie of the year for the athletics, manager of the Midland Rockhounds, the great Bobby Crosby. How are you? I know it's at the end of the season, but it's always good to have you on Ace Cast Live. Thanks, Tony. I'm good. Yeah, six more left and, and we're done, but it's been a good year. You know, what a battle you've had throughout the season, right? You've had to deal with a lot of different players. We'll get into that. But but right now, sitting at 500, just talk about what this season's been like for you and your staff. Uh, it's been a roller coaster. I mean, we, we knew coming in we had a bunch of prospects and you know, I had had almost the same team for the past couple of years, you know, guys repeating here in double A. And this year, you know, we had, you know, new faces. We had Lawrence Butler and Denzel Clark and Daryl Hernandez, And it was a different kind of group. Um, and then, you know, about a month or two in, they all gelled and became tight. And we we're firing as a team. And then, you know, next thing you know, they're all gone up to triple A and I got a whole new crop. So it's been it's been up and down. It's been crazy having one team and then pretty much the whole team leaves and you got a whole, you know, whole new set of guys to deal with, but it's been a good, it's been a good challenge. We had Fran Reardon on yesterday and I'm going to ask you the same question about, obviously it's great when your guys get promoted. That's exactly what you want to see. Then you have a new crop come in, as you said, 
But still at Midland, you want to win. It's about winning, and you have a message, and you have a style, and there's a way that you want to play. What is that like when the team is constantly changing, but your message isn't going to change? Yeah, I guess that's the biggest part is I, I you know, I got to stay on the path on, on what I believe and how I expect them to play the game. You know, this year was a little bit different because we had so many guys leave. There's only a few guys left that really, you know, understood exactly what I wanted. So for the first couple of weeks, there's some growing pains where guys had to understand, you know, the type of game that I want to be played and what they should do in certain situations. You know, I like to let guys almost fail a little bit here. Um, and then I, I let them know what they did wrong, opposed to saying, hey, you have to do this. This has to be the way. Um, so it's a little bit different style, but, um, you know, it, it took some time um, for the other guys to to fully understand what my expectations were. But, um, you know, we, we ended up kind of going on a roll there and guys have played well. You know, you said the word fail, and I've been talking about that a lot lately on this show and also on the A's Clubhouse show after the game. It just seems to me in the sport of baseball, we are afraid to have people fail. And failure is a part of life, right? It's it's called job experience. And so many times a guy starts to struggle, they say shut him down or send him down. or Talk about that fail. I mean, you went through this process as a player. Yeah. Failure is a part of your growth and help makes you better. Why are we so afraid of that in our game now? I hope we're not. I mean, at least we're not, you know, at our level. Or, you know, I, I like guys to to make mistakes. Like I said, I, I don't want to coach robots. I don't want guys to just know everything they're supposed to do and, and they have to do it exactly that way right out the gate. Um, I like them to, you know, make mistakes and understand why they made them. They're not just going about the game in just a robotic fashion where they just are doing whatever I say and don't know why they're failing. So for them to make the mistakes themselves and then we talk about it and they understand it, to me, that's a better learning process. So you can see the kind of the light click on at some point when they're they're doing things that I feel is the right way to play and the A system believes. You know, I I think about I'm married to a teacher, so I know it's like to be around someone who's a coach and a teacher every day and being around you for so long and watch you evolve. And that that's what I think about with you. I think about, yeah, coaching and teaching. I really view you so much also as a teacher. You care about these kids but you want them to do it the right way. You have that belief there's an Oakland A's way to play baseball. Just talk about, for you as a coach, manager, how you have evolved and how basically you understand this. so much of this is really teaching the game. Yeah, it's teaching the game and it's, and it's teaching the personalities. It's, you know, some guys, the way the game is now, guys like to celebrate a little bit more, you know, and, and that could be showing it on the field. I mean, maybe it's not maybe, it's a definitely. Um, and how they do things. And that's not how I was brought up. I was, you know, brought up to act like you've done it before. Um, so it's, it's a little bit different way and you have to read guys, you know, differently. Um, every player wants to be coached a certain way and it's our job to figure out what they, you know, what makes them tick. And for me, it's, you know, this season was a, it was a trying season. It, It was a lot of different personalities, a lot of different talent levels and to get guys to buy into a, a singular goal and, and a way of doing things and, and celebrate when you're winning, when you're winning and you're, and you're, and you're doing awesome yourself. Great. Celebrate it. Have fun. But you know, you hit a double and, and we're down by six and you want to give the, the antlers to the team, you know, to your teammates, like, dude, that now might not be the time. There's, you know, there's some learning curves, but you know, you gotta, you know, find out at what point you can kind of teach them and help them out. 
It's so true. Like you'll be you'll be watching a game like in Colorado, and it's fourteen to like four, and the guy does it, and every team's got their little thing, and you're yeah. like, "Bro, you're getting blown out by ten. What are you doing?" I mean, yeah. but I mean that 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 is the game today. Uh, but I love the fact that you know it's how it, you're doing it because you care about these kids. And just talk about you know you've had a lot of guys go up to AAA this year. What are those conversations like? Because I got to think when they're getting that message from you, a guy who played in the big leagues, had success in the big leagues, and when you talk to them about that graduation, it's got to mean a, a lot to these players. So just talk about kind of your message when guys go from you now and up to AAA. Well, I mean, it's it's obviously a good message. It's obviously, you know, when I get to promote someone, it's a, it's a good feeling. And I hope that when they go to Fran or they go to Cots in the big leagues, they they understood here the right way to play. So for me, it's it's just, you know, it's, I'm excited for them. You know, and I still talk to all the guys that, that have left here and, and are in Vegas or in Oakland. Um, I, you know, I guess I've built bonds with those guys where where they know that, you know, I'll always have their back and always stick up for them. And, and you know, when a guy leaves here, it's it's a celebration. It's it's tough for our team personally. But, you know, winning is is a big part of it. But then getting to the next level and experiencing AAA in the big leagues is, is what it's about. I remember when we drafted Max Muncy and I went, is it what? Is this true? There's another Max Muncy. It's Max Muncy 2.0. And of course, we always get to interview the kids for the first time. And man, he looked like a high schooler. He looked like he was fresh out of high school. He's now everything's changed. He's grown. He's growing up. So tell us Max Muncy 2.0. How how's he doing with you? He's doing great. Um, you know, when he first got here, he looked like he was just kind of swinging the bat. Didn't didn't really have a plan. Um, but he's evolved. I mean, since he's been here, he's cleaned up his his defensive actions. He's he's been a lot more smoother and under control. And at the plate, he has a plan and knows what he wants to do. I think he's hitting around 300 right now. Um, he has some pop. He's got energy. Um, he doesn't lack confidence. Um, he's along the same lines of Geloff when I had Geloff, where he just knows he's good. Um, he doesn't really stress too much about you know, going over four or over six or over eight because he knows at the end of the day he's really good. So he has that internal belief, which is which is which is big. I think mean, most big leaguers have that. Um, he has all the actions. You know, he still has some growing up to do. Of course, he's young. He just turned twenty-one, but overall, he's going to be good. He has power. He has power at the shortstop, you know, position. And uh, once he fines tune his approach a little bit more. Um, he's going to be really good, but you know, it's a constant uh, thing with him and working and, and making sure he understands the game and understands how to play it the right way. A lot of guys come out of high school and, and they were taught in high school, but the college guys really have a, a better feel of, of the winning way and how to do things in certain situations, where to be on every play. And, and he still has a few things to learn, but he's going to go to the fall league and, and, you know, he'll get some exposure there and hopefully learn a few things more and he'll be good. Yeah, we all know when you play college baseball, especially when you first get in freshman, sophomore year, you're going to get it handed to you a little bit. These high school guys, I mean, like we all dominated in high school, and then all of a sudden I can't imagine. I mean, I know what the the route of playing in college, but I I, I don't know the route of going from high school to the minor leagues. And when you said approach, I just imagine you get the guys in double-A can flat-out pitch. What that must be like when you get to double A for the first time, if you don't have approach, you're going to learn real quick. Uh Oh, I better get one. Yeah. It's an eye opener. It's an eye opener for a lot of guys. Um, there's some guys that come here and 
Uh, I mean, Max has done a pretty good job. It was really only a few weeks that that he, you know, he struggled. And after that, he he did well. But, I mean, the Lawrence Butlers of the world and the Zach Geloffs that come here and just dominate out the gate, that's pretty rare. Um, but for how old Muncie is, I mean, at 21, I was in college. I was a college junior. And for him to be hitting 300 in double A and handling himself the way he is, um, it's good to see. But, yeah, I mean, double A has some arms. If you can hit here. Uh, you can hit, you know, you can hit at the highest level, and right now he's doing it. Cooper Bowman was a part of the Yankee trade that we never talk about, right? We we're so worried about the arms, and we're seeing the arms. Tell us how he's doing. He's great. Um, you know, he's uh, he's a guy who the more he puts the ball in play, the better it's going to be for his career. This guy gets on base, and it's a triple. Um, it's kind of like Ruiz a little bit. Wow. Where, uh, he gets on first. He's still second. He's still third. Um, he has a knack for it. He knows when to go. He's he's a smart baseball player. Um, plays good defense. We've thrown him in the outfield a few times, but mainly has played second base here. But uh, he's definitely a game changer. Once he gets on the base, he's a he's a game changer, and he has some pop. He's got to figure out, like I said, how to put the ball and play more and create a little bit of chaos at the plate. Um, but once he does that, he's going to be really good because if if he gets on, it's 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 special. How much have you enjoyed this type of player? being back in baseball and coveted in baseball. I love it. I mean, that's, you know, I mean, the group we, we kind of got after we had that, uh, you know, big loss of guys going up to AAA, it's a scrappy group. I love the guys that know how to bunt, that can steal bases, that can get guys over with less than two, that can get them in, that can safety squeeze, that can do all the little small things. So this type of baseball, I love. I mean, you, you love to have guys that can hit the ball to the park all the time, but if you can get guys that, can manufacture runs and know how to do it and and don't need me to tell them every time if the third baseman's back and it's there do it um so you know that's kind of what i said about learning through through failures or them not seeing it themselves um guys picking that up on their own now is you know that's what brings me joy is seeing them do it through themselves and use their own brain on the field and know where to be and know what to do in certain situations so you know this type of baseball the way the game is evolving with the small ball aspect, I love it. I mean, it's it's something that appeals to me and, and the, the baseball, old school baseball mindset. Learn how to win. Yeah. It's like we get so much into how hard do you throw? What's the barrel rate? What's the exit velocity? It's like we're playing a game. There is a way to play the game. And it's tough. When you, when you execute small ball, it's tough to defend. I mean, it's like all the time we are – we talk about a bunch of stuff that has nothing to do with actually winning the game. I mean, listen to, it's like you're building a, a Long Beach State program there in Midland. Yeah, I mean, you're spot on. You know, I'll sit there and talk with the guys, and they'll be talking about what this guy's flair is or what he's got going on, and I put into it real quick. It's, you know, it's about, you know, watch this guy hit a pop-up and run. Watch this guy hit a pop-up, and he's still standing at home plate, and it drops, and he looks like a fool. Um, you know, it's, you know – teaching these guys how to play the game the right way is, is my, one of my biggest joys and teaching them how to execute and, and, and how to win and, and what really matters. You know, I mean, you, you know, you have this, uh, this X break and Z break and you have, you know, uh, this launch angle. Great. But can you get a guy in with less than two? Can you lay down a bunt when we need it? Can you um, be in the right spot? Do you know where to be on every play? It's all these little small things that, you know, you see in the playoffs, when the playoffs come around, all of a sudden everybody becomes a small, you know, small ball team and what it takes to win. But, you know, you can, it's possible to do that every day and figure out a way to to win that game. And and with the group I have right now and 
uh, you know, that's kind of more the route we're going. Guys are playing the right way and, and figuring out the right way to win. When Daniel Susak was drafted by the A's and they brought him over to A's Cast Live, and I looked down, I went, man, this guy looks like a traditional drop-back quarterback. I mean, he's a big dude, right? I mean, a really big guy. Uh, could be the future behind the dish. I mean, he's swinging it well. Big guy. I've, I've never really – we get to interview him. I've never really seen him play. Just talk about his game offensively and defensively behind the play. Yeah, defensively, he's he's been really good. You know, he's got a few little things, you know, with his blocking that that he's had a few missteps, but for the most part, he's been really good. I mean, he's got a great arm. Uh, he's made some great throws a second. Uh, guys really don't try to run on him too much since he's been here, or they haven't. Uh, it's, uh, it's a pretty impressive arm. So I think, you know, the catching is only going to improve. And the bat has been really good. He's another guy who's hitting over 300 here, and he's only been here for – you know, a few weeks, but he came out the gate really well. Uh, he's got some power. He has power to all fields. Um, and he knows he knows how to play. You know, he's a guy who, you know, went to college and, and understands the right way to play the game and knows how to win and knows how to pick his spots on, on uh, you know, even stealing. He's, he's picked a few spots that were that were good. So overall, his, his game's good. He's, he's got some development to do still and probably some approach things at the plate that haven't, haven't yet been really exposed here because he's hit really well that he'll have to adjust to, but, but he's a, he's, he's a good one for sure. He's going to be a good player. Well, I'll tell you what, it is always an honor to have you on the program someday, probably pretty soon. You're going to be a big league manager. Just, just don't forget us here at A's cast. Once you get <laughs> that big league job, don't forget us. I uh, never will. Of course, Tony. Well, I'll tell you what, I hope you have a great off season. We'll see. We'll talk to you during the off season. Of course, before you know it, we'll get through the holidays. It's fantasy camp and, and then it's uh, spring training, but Congratulations on another terrific year because I don't look at record. I look at the teaching and everybody talks about what you're doing down there in Midland is something special. So congratulations. And we'll talk to you in the off season. I appreciate that Tony. Thank you. Do you see what I'm saying? Do you hear what I'm saying? If you're listening and you just hear that, if you're watching and you see it, that's uh, looks like a big league manager. And I love the fact of where he is in our chain that our guys, our young guys are getting to him. And it's like, all right, you've got to learn how to win. And learning how to win, you've got to. We'll talk about it next right here on A's Cast Live. Hey, it's Eno Saris, your friendly neighborhood baseball scribe. There are two things I love, baseball and beer. When I'm not busy around the ballpark, you're likely catching me back with a cold one at any of Fieldwork Brewing's eight locations sprinkled across the Bay Area. Fieldwork's got a rotating lineup of over 20 beers on tap that's as diverse as any 26-man roster. They got everything from super juicy, hazy IPAs to crisp pilsners and tropical sours that make your taste buds do the wave. Whether you're all about that draft life or prefer to grab some cans to go, Fieldwork's got your bases covered. Check them out at fieldworkbrewing.com to learn more. That's fieldworkbrewing.com. This is Chris Townsend and Commander Cody for Link Soul. The new summer colors and prints are in stock. The new polos, lightweight, all the colors you want. Fabulous. We got our new order. My wife is so happy that I'm dressing so much better. All thanks to Link Soul. You name it, whether it's polos, whether it's shorts, anything for your summer needs, you need to revamp your wardrobe. You go to LinkSoul.com and they got great summer deals. Go to LinkSoul.com. That's LinkSoul.com. 
Ace Cast Live continues from the studio. Here's Chris Townsend. Commander, I have respect for you as a person. Can I go chalk and call you a, a baseball man? I, I literally thought you were going to go, I respect for you, but now I'm going to disrespect you. Because <laughs> I'd be fine with that. No too. offense, but no. Um, so what did you think? When you hear Bobby Crosby, when you see Bobby Crosby, what do you think? Oh, he's definitely going to be a big league manager. He has it in him. And you mentioned it to me, and I kind of see it. You mentioned off the air that he has an old-school mentality, and I totally see it 100%. He just looks like an old-school baseball manager, to me at least. Think about it. He went from, mid- he went from managing Stockton, never even managed the game, and then got, got, got the job at Midland. Obviously, the COVID year, he didn't get a chance to manage in Stockton, so – Jumps up the Midland, and the guys, every guy we've talked to, they've all loved playing for him, yes. and that's a great sign. But he's kind of like, he reminds, I just got to see his age. He's 43, so he reminds me of that teacher, the cool teacher that could be tough on you. And you love that teacher. Wasn't the old teacher. He's, he's 43. So he's the cool teacher, but he'll be tough on you. And you respect him. And you respect him because he played. And he's great for this organization. And by the time he is ready to rock to be a big league manager, I don't know. Maybe it is with the A's. I don't know. I, I don't. I mean, Mark Kotze, I don't know how long Kotze wants to do it. I remember, Mark Kotze is not doing it for the money. So at some point, Mark Kotze could just be like, peace, I'm out of here. And Bobby at 43, I mean, he's pretty much ready to rock. He's, he's going to get a shot somewhere. I mean, you, you just you listen to him and you let, like, Lawrence Butler, Zach Galloff, these guys love him. And what I love about listening to him is stuff that, that is, it's not enough in our game right now. It's like to win games – You've got to do everything you freaking can to win games. It's hard. It's hard to win Major League Baseball games. It's hard to win in the NFL. It's hard to win in the NBA. You've got to scratch and claw. Did you watch anybody out there watch last night Chris Bassett's gaff with Mitch Garver on third base? And Mitch Garver's, hell, half, more than halfway down the line. And Bassett just beelines after him, and it was the third disengagement. And then Bach and... Anything you can do to win games. How many times have we seen balls not travel even 10 feet to side games this year for the A's? It's, it's, there's a game to be played, and you've got to win at all cost. And yet we focus so much on how hard everybody throws and how hard everybody hits it, that doesn't translate to wins. That's why we brought up that whole thing about Giancarlo Stanton, where Giancarlo Stanton has finally had it. He's like, my numbers stink, but yet my analytics are good. His barrels, his his exit velocity, all this stuff that they look at are good, but his year stinks. What do you do on a daily basis to help your team win? It's about winning games. 
Now, the analytics are great, but the number one thing is winning games, right? Individual stuff is great, but we need to win games. And Bobby Crosby is teaching these kids, like, you need to do all these different things, and some of it's not sexy. I guess that would be the best way to put it. Take analytics out of it. It's the non-sexy stuff. Everybody loves the sexy stuff. It's the non-sexy stuff that you got to be good at that wins games. You know who's doing a lot of sexy stuff for a while? For quite a, quite a long bit. And then that's sexy to go all Justin Timberlake on you. They weren't bringing sexy back. <laughs> Do you know who that is? Uh, well, I didn't. I didn't see that coming today. Uh, great song though. That was a song came out. I was a senior in high school. Uh, that is that like, that old? That was our soccer song. Um, I remember when Prince ripped it. Prince is like, I didn't know sexy ever went away. It's a great Prince. I mean, I mean, Prince is an icon. Um, no, I don't. Mainly because I don't want to take a guess and be wrong. Texas Rangers. Remember, Texas Rangers was pounding people, pounding people. Oh my God! Look at these numbers. My God. And then all of a sudden, they couldn't win. Couldn't win. And you start seeing, man, they can't get people out. Their bullpen doesn't get anybody out. All those great offensive players aren't, they're not raking. They're not, you know, it's like all of a sudden, like, what happens when you just have to find ways to win? That's what great teams do. Great teams, they can maul you, but on nights where they don't maul you, they still beat you. That's why. Certain teams, a la 111 wins last year, Dodgers. And that's why these Braves, oh, my God, best lineup we've ever seen, supposedly. How are they going to do in the postseason? I mean, it's been a long time since the best team. Like the, no doubt, I mean, no doubt this is the best team in baseball. Has won the World Series. Like the last time I think about the team where everybody just went, no one's beating those guys was the 98 Yankees. No one's beating those guys. You knew it. No one had a chance. Who's the last team that they were so head and shoulders above everybody else? Um, we're not counting the COVID year because the Dodgers were really good then. Um, yeah, but the Dodgers even struggled a little bit against San Diego uh, in Texas. What about uh, the Red Sox in 18 were pretty good. They won 108 games that year. How many other teams won 100 games? Uh, let me pull up the 2018 standings. Oh, MLB. Um, Red Sox won 108. Yankees won 100. Astros won 103. So they were the best team in baseball by eight games. Well, five like games. I, I would even question, were they even the favorite to win it all? And if they were, by what? That's a good question. Who they play in the World Series that year? Well, who? The Dodgers. So. Yeah, they beat the Dodgers 4-1. I mean, no one's going to look at the Boston Red Sox of 2018 and compare them to the 98 Yankees. Probably not, no. The Yankee team I'm talking good. about who's been like this team. No one's beating these dudes. No one was doing that in 2018. You might have said, yeah, they could be the favorites or they could be one of the, one of the teams, but no one's like, this is historic. 
Well, we heard that last year about the Yankees and how they were doing, how that worked and out. And the dot. That's what I'm saying. When's yeah. the last time we've seen this historic monster you, of a team? You're telling me you didn't see the 03 Marlins winning the World Series? I, 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 I had a schedule. Every game on my calendar was scheduled. They, they could. I bet on it. <laughs> and I bet on them in 97. <laughs> uh, yeah, I would probably say that Yankee. I mean, that Yankee team won 114 games. And they were just better than everyone. Yeah. Um, how, how did that uh, 01 Mariner team do? Um, they didn't win. 116 wins, didn't they lose in the first round? So I'm saying, most of these, or they pa- make it to the most of these superpower teams that roll people, I, how do you win games? How do you just the little things and just because that's what postseason comes down to. They lost in the Think AL, of that yeah. one game against Cleveland and the Rays last year. That went how went how many innings and no one scored and that was just it, it was all the guts were being laid right out there at, at Jake at it's not Jacobs Progressive Field Progressive Field you can call it Jacobs that's fine I mean their guts of those two franchises were laid out right there who's gonna score a run a run that's the kind of things that happen in postseason where I just need to score a run. I need to figure out just how to get out of this inning. I just it's not I'm mauling everybody. You're not mauling everybody. That's my point. That's the kind of baseball you need to play. By the way, you know who was not raised, developed and trained to win like that? The 2012, 2013, 2014, 2018, 2019 and 2020s. You go back to 2012. They hit the most home runs from June 2nd on. They pitched well, played defense, but they hit a ton of home runs. We have to be better. We have not been good in the postseason. It's fact. It's documented. Because what Bobby Crosby is talking about is what we need to be in the postseason. I'm a fighter. I go in the octagon. You want to be on the ground. You want to stand up. However you want to fight, I can fight you. We've never been one of those teams. We've never been one of those teams. That's how you win in postseason. You've got to be able to fight any fight. You've got to be able to knock people out, and you've got to be able, like in the old days, you've got to have a chin to stick around for 15 rounds. i got to have the firepower to knock you out, but i got to be able to stand for 15 rounds. You know what? Didn't have that. We didn't have the you-know-what to beat Verlander in 12 or 13 in the playoffs. We didn't have it. He went through us like it was nothing. you got to have guts. you got to have courage. you got to have all these different things, and that's where the Enoceruses don't care and don't like because to them it's the regular season and it's just the offseason crap, the, the postseason's a crapshoot. I don't buy it. It's not a crapshoot how Houston has been in the ALCS six straight years. That's not a crapshoot. And I feel like going, that's not true. That's where I was going. Uh, but, <clears throat> but, yeah, you're right about Houston. Is that a crapshoot? Uh, no, there's a reason why they've been there six straight years and in the World Series four years, four of the six years. Yeah. It's not a crapshoot. Because if it is, they wouldn't be – like even the year in 2020 – all right, COVID year, weird stuff. They weren't that great of a team. They still got in the playoffs. They still made it to the ALCS. There is something about these guys that we're playing. You can't tell me it's a crapshoot. What's the crapshoot? That's not true. Where are they getting lucky? Where are they getting lucky? 
I was just trying to think the last last American League team to eliminate the Astros from the playoffs was Tampa, right? In 2021 or 2020? 2020. Because they were in the World Series in 21 and they won it last year. They're going for a World Series three straight years? Appearance. 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 Yeah. <laughs> we haven't seen that since the Yankees of the late 90s and the A's of the late 80s. Is that random? No. By the way, by the way, for all of you let's spend money people, biggest contract they've ever spent is Jose Abreu, free agent contract. Which, 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 by the way, is less than Eric Chavez. Does that get reported around here? How many times have you heard people say, oh, my God, the biggest contract this team's ever given out is Eric Chavez? Well, by the way, the biggest contract under Jim Crane is less than Eric Chavez for a free agent. I think before that it was now, Michael Brantley, maybe? Now, they've given out a couple hundred dollars. Hey, we offered Matt Chapman 150 and he turned it down. That would have been your highest contract, which, by the way, would be higher than any contract the Astros have ever given out to their guys. Because Altuve did – what did Altuve get? His was like 120-something, I thought. Bregman's, I want to say, was 111. His was, I think – I think Bregman's was – hold on, let's do Altuve first. Altuve's contract is 7 for 163. Okay, so it would be – but 13 million more than what uh But Bregman's I think was like 8 for 120 or 5 for 100. Oh. 8 for 120 is Ronald Acuña Jr. Yeah, biggest contract they've ever given free agency is a Brie. Yeah, and uh what's his name just got an extension too. Um uh Jordan Alvarez. Yeah, his was like 100. Plus he's still, well, he's still super young too. He might get enough. Uh 6 for 115. Yeah. The A's offered Chapman 150 term. I wonder if Matt Chapman never – if Matt Chapman takes that deal, how that would have changed things. The better question is, would it have helped the market over in Japan and like like Scott Boris was telling us? How would that affect – Matt Chapman <laughs> signed with the A's probably would – we'd probably have a league in Japan by now. He's really fallen off since uh, April. By the way, this stuff we talk about, it's not about opinion. It's about facts, because facts don't get brought up. People bring up stuff that helps their narrative. They're not bringing up facts. And that's when you talk about free agent contracts. I mean, here you got the, the teams at the best of the business. They don't do big free agent contracts. What was I'm going to look it up? What was Brantley's contract when he signed that? Michael Brantley? Yeah, I think not that was, big at all. He signed a one year twelve. I got to look back and look and see what he signed. When he originally signed with them, I'll find. Wasn't uh, he traded there? No, I thought he signed from as the a, uh, Indians. I thought he signed as a free agent. Um, no, because he was he was making thirty two million dollars at the Astros before. I don't I don't believe that. I'll find it. He doesn't have a major contract. Oh yeah, him. Brantley came into the Astros. Oh yeah, he did get a trade, but then he signed a two year extension for sixteen mil, uh, thirty two million. See, they don't want to admit they they. I I can't. Do I have time to to really drill you? Do we have time for that? Uh, we have like five minutes. Oh, we don't have time. Tomorrow, a man that I have said, when you think great baseball minds, <laughs> when you think of you think of broadcast, I mean, you think Scully, Costas, this guy. I might put ahead of Costas, to be honest. You're put ahead of Bob? Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Yesterday, or no, Friday, MLB Now. I haven't seen it today. 
one of the greatest lines. So they do our, our, our buddy Chris Russo and our other buddy, Brian Kenny, do that face-off. And they were doing something, and something that uh, Mad Dog said was wrong. And Bob Costas was on the set, but you couldn't see him, but you could hear Bob chirping in something. And then Brian Kenny looks at Mad Dog, because, you know, Mad Dog used to not work in New York. And he goes, Mad Dog? He's Bob Costas. He wasn't some Yahoo in Orlando, Florida like you. (laughs) They were talking about when uh, Pete Rose got the uh, – and that happened on September 11th. Was it yesterday was the history of Pete Rose breaking the all-time Ty Cobb hits record where he did off Eric Shaw. Shaw, yeah. Not show. No, your baseball history. It's Shaw. Eric Shaw. And – Bob then explained how they were breaking into NBC Nightly News. Big deal, right? And that's where, like, slow down, Mad Dog. You're in Orlando. Orlando's not New York, NBC, and Bob Costas. <laughs> that happened to Magic. We're not even a basketball team. <laughs> They're like, did Bob Costas ever work small market? Or has Bob Costas always been? I, I don't know that about his career. I've only interviewed Costas a couple times. He's been on here before. He's been on the air, and I do him. I I did him on ninety five seven and KMBR. But did Bob Costas ever go small market, or did Bob Costas just like come out of the womb and he was a broadcaster in New York? That's not true. <laughs> He's Bob Costas. Uh, let's see, Costas. Did he start? He had to start somewhere. Is he a Syracuse guy? Probably. Yep, Syracuse guy. Uh, he worked in Syracuse. That's kind of small. Uh, then he was in St. Louis. All right. So there's NBC Sports. There's a small market. He's from St. Louis, though. Well, did NASCAR. This guy's done everything. He's Bob Costas. He was the Olympics. Like, I remember the first time it got reported that Mike Tirico was taken. I'm like, boy, what? You can't have You cannot have Bob Costas do the Olympics. He is the Olympics. That's, that's Syracuse on Syracuse crime. I mean, that's wrong. No, did Costas grow up in New York, too? I always thought he was a St. Louis guy. That's why he was such a St. Such a Saint, Saint Louis honk. But, no, I guess just because he went and worked for KM, KMOX. Which I think is a Cardinals flagship. Because I believe Costas, to this day, resides in St. Louis. That's where Bob Costas' kids grew up. My His, Wik, his Wikipedia page is just ridiculous. He's Bob, he's Bob freaking Costas. We got to get him on the program again. Make that happen. By the way, how did we get him last time? I forget why we why we got him. It was great though. I think it was when we were doing one of the World Series replays, and he was on the broadcast for. Something. I like I like how he has done it though. I I like how Bob is kind of in the very end of his career, where he's not just going away. He's still going to do some play-by-play for MLB Network. He shows up on MLB now. Obviously, his love is baseball. He's going to stick around the game, and he's going to do it his way. It's not like he went, like, this is my last Olympics. This is the last everything. I mean, all the years doing NBA, all the stuff that Casas has done football. He's, like, going to walk or walk away, you know, and still do some baseball. Keep himself busy. Versus these guys who walk away and have no clue what to do with their lives. Well, uh, before before we go, you pay off your tees on who's the uh, broadcaster that we just put ahead of Bob Costas and b- behind Vince Scully. Oh, that'd be Alex Rodriguez. Yeah, I think. I mean, my good friend A Rod. He played during the Lucy Goose era, so I've interviewed A Rod once. 
once. He was fabulous. And it's, if you catch him on a good day, he is charming as hell. But you've got to catch him in the right back in the day as a player. I, I was, it, it, this was not about him. It was not about the Yankees. It was talking about Hideki Matsui, his teammate. Remember, Hideki Matsui had just been World Series MVP. And if you remember correctly, because you are such a big A's fan, uh, the Yankees gave Hideki Matsui his World Series ring in Oakland. They had, we had like a little ceremony for him. Remember that? I didn't live here. No, exactly. Uh, but so I did a little thing with A-Rod on Hideki Matsui, and it was really cool. He was really cool about it. But no, he's a dirtbag. We all know A-Rod's a dirtbag, but tomorrow he'll be my friend. <laughs> he's going to prove my point because the numbers by tomorrow will not change. And you'll be able to try and swim out of this. You know what? You're in quicksand. How will you get out of it will be, will be interesting. You, you now have been given like 24 hours to figure out how to get out of quicksand. It just keeps pulling and pulling you down. Uh, by the way, we have a friend that makes his return tomorrow. Hembo's back. Hembo? We, you know what? We got to start talking. We, first thing we asked about Aaron Rodgers. So I'm sure ESPN's losing their mind that Rodgers ain't playing. Oh, by the way, highest rated Monday night football game in the history of Monday night football on ESPN. Aaron Rodgers has not lost a Monday night game in the last nine years. He's now 10-0. If he started the game, he gets credit. He's now 10 and 0. Rodgers lives for primetime TV, where Kirk Cousins is the complete opposite. Aaron Rodgers, New York. I the Yankees. Aaron Rodgers, New York Jets debut draws more than 22.6 million viewers. Sets an ESPN Monday Night Football record. More than 22.6 million views watch week one matchup. They were not watching A's Astros? Where the hell was everybody? We shut the Astros out. What do you want to watch? Some hat quarterbacks, or do you want to watch Ken Waldachuk throw six innings of no-hit baseball against the Astros, who are red hot? How about Ryan Nota, last 11 games, hitting 293, 941 OPS, three dingers, eight RBIs, eight runs scored. Last 11. you rather watch that bad football game than what Ryan Nota's doing? We love you, friend, but not a great showing. J.P. Sears is coming off back-to-back wins over the Angels and the Blue Jays in September. One run and 11 combined innings over those two starts. You know what that ERA is? 0.82. 0.82. J.P. Sears, you still want to shut him down? This is a uh, litmus test tonight. Oh, JV. And then, I'm not talking about junior varsity. Then, well, I'm talking about Justin Verlander. And then tomorrow's mini Verlander. They call him Hunter Brown's tomorrow. Mini Verlander. Five and two-thirds over and under on Verlander. Where are you going? Oh, if this is anyone else, I'd probably take the under. I might have to go over. So There's yeah, been a lot of five and dive lately I've been seeing with Verlander, but you're going over? Because he, he pit, for some reason he gets up for the ace. <laughs> I don't know what it is. He sees green and gold, man, and he's like, W time. Verlander has literally kicked the crap out of the ace That's for, for 20 years. For a long, long time. He's just in Verlander. 
you know how everybody wants to make everybody a future Hall of Fame? I, they, everybody talks about future Hall of Famers. They're going to have to build more wings because uh, now baseball wants to put everybody in. But when you say this guy's a future Hall of Famer first ballot, that's no joke. Justin Verlander is one of the greatest guys to have ever pitched in the history of baseball. I don't disagree. He's got it all. He's got your old school, your new school. He's got it all. He's truly one of the greats. All right, we up in two minutes? Yeah. We'd like to thank Bobby Crosby for stopping by. The great Eno Saris, our national baseball columnist from The Athletic. Tomorrow we've got Paul Himbikides, better known as Himbo from ESPN. And who else? I don't know. I'm working on it. And he's working on it. We'll see everybody at 1 o'clock tomorrow. 1 o'clock tomorrow. Oh, I got to get up early. 1 o'clock tomorrow, A's Cast Live. Up next, A's Total Access brought to you by Chevron. This is Chris Townsend and Commander Cody for Link Soul. You need to redo your wardrobe, especially for summer. They got new colors, new styles. Summer is here. The polos, unbelievable. The shorts, you name it, we got our new order. My wife is the happiest one out of all of us because I look better, thanks to Link Soul. And they've got unbelievable deals right now for the summer. So what are you waiting for? Shirts, polos, shorts, you name it. You go to LinkSoul.com. That's LinkSoul.com. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.